Episode 29, huh? Wow. Why do people watch this? I don't know. <laughs> um, inevitably waiting for our downfall, our grisly demise. Well, it's going to be glorious. <laughs> <laughs> it's better to burn out than to fade away. That's, that's right. All oh, right. Mercy. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Welcome, everybody, to episode number 29 of the Goulet Pencast, where fountain pens are still a thing. I am Brian Goulet. And I am Drew Brown. And we're here from Goulet Pens to deliver this casual and informal, tangential and extraneous, superfluous and extemporaneous fountain pen show, where we talk about what's going on at Goulet Pen Company and in our fountain pen lives. In today's show, we're going to talk about flex nibs, oversized and jumbo pens, and how to start your own YouTube pen channel. Because goodness knows we shouldn't be the only ones doing this. We need other people out there <laughs> making things happen. Uh, let's start it off with some feedback, shall we, Drew? We definitely- We've got some. We've been getting we've some. We've got some. For sure. I'm gonna, I'm gonna dig deep into history because it's been weeks ago, but once upon a time, I uh, published a video on Instagram about my uh, philosophy of only keeping three pens inked up at one time. And uh, after I did that, I'm like, you know what, let me just go ahead and do a poll. So I polled everybody and I said, what do you think? You know, Drew thinks that, you know, only three at a time. What do you think? Only three at a time or all the inky pens? And I did a poll. And uh, 24 hours, that thing ran. And it ended up, um, 46% said three pens at a time and 54% said all the inky pens. And that's pretty close. That was cl that's closer than I thought it would be. I thought it would be more people in the inky pen boat um so i don't know I, I, the, we have a more disciplined uh, uh amount of people out there than i thought we would so well i found that interesting that's what people agree to on a poll you didn't ask whether that's what people are actually doing or oh, were they just true. agreeing with the concept of it because if it was just the concept i might be in that camp too even oh, though I represent the antithesis of that, <laughs> but you know, but it is, okay. it, it was closer than I thought. So, yeah. um, yeah, I found that interesting. Also, you might find this interesting, Brian. And after our last video where I talked about, um, you know, creating a splinter company, uh, the Drule pen company that did nothing but sell toothbrushes specifically for fountain pen feeds that were just standard toothbrushes that I would take from target and resell million dollar, um, million dollar idea right there. Hey. Oh, well, Hey, Hey, yeah. Are you, you listen, I have support abound oh really there 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 is there is a a a league of passionate supporters who would endorse this idea and before i take it to shark tank brian i would just say that uh, uh I'm, I'm i'm willing to take on capital investors if you're interested oh wow so you're you're giving yeah. me like first round advantage here I, i'm thinking about it yeah i'm wow. thinking about it wow i uh I'm... if you if you may, may perhaps if you can reverse your stance and you know, explain to me in detail, like a 500 word essay about why this is a brilliant idea and why uh, I'm a novel entrepreneur okay. as a result of uh, well, this okay. brilliant idea. So if I was a shark on the shark tank, I would be like, well, what am I, what am I investing in here right now? Because right now you're just telling me an idea, an idea, which I gave you by the way, <laughs> uh, just so uh, we can get the historical record accurate here. All right. Well, uh, you're investing in, uh, in, in in my uh, passion for cleaning fountain pen feeds, oh. which is more powerful than 
a tidal wave full of mm. bowling balls. Would you would you accept investment in Waffle House gift cards? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know it. Are you kidding? You know who you're talking to? Then uh, then maybe we can talk. Let's uh let's You keep you keep your keep your Bitcoin. Give me a Waffle House gift card. <laughs> <laughs> that's where the real All that's right. where the real future of currency lies. Waffle House oh, absolutely. gift cards, yeah. Yeah. Um, or actual waffles. Um all right, well, moving on to uh, we'll, we'll revisit the the what toothbrush what, what, concept. What are we talking about? Why are y'all watching this? I don't know. Okay, go ahead. We'll, re- we'll revisit the toothbrush concept at some point, though. The Goulet Pen Company will sell a toothbrush that actually links you to a separate website called the Droulet Pen Company, where there's just one item in stock, um, and it's a toothbrush. It's literally just like uh, a landing page with one item on it. <laughs> yes. It's a toothbrush, <laughs> a pen cleaning toothbrush. Yes. It's not, a toothbrush. FAQ, it's not a toothbrush at that point. No, it's not for brushing no, and teeth. The, the, FA, the FAQ section says one thing. It's like, is this different than a regular toothbrush? And the answer is like, yes, it's for fountain pen feeds. It's for and fountain that's pen it. feeds. That's the, that's that's the right. one FAQ. That's a Droulet guarantee. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you got it. All right. Um, Jen from last episode said, you're back. Thank God I missed you guys. Happy New Year. Had to say that before I started watching slash listening. While you were out, every time I'm on YouTube, the Pencast episodes are what's on. Sorry, not sorry. Okay, going to go watch now. Um, Jen, thank you so much. I, I am just tickled at the fact that she got so excited about just the fact that Pencast, she commented before even watching just because she was happy that it was back. And that just lit me up. Uh, there are so many joyous comments that I read every week, and I, I'm, I'm really appreciative of ones like that. So thank you, Jen. We appreciate uh, being able to be that in your life, and we are humbled and grateful that you uh, enjoy it as much as you do. And, and um, we appreciate you not judging the specific video you were watching before you watched it, because that is like classic YouTube commenter move, it is like commenting on the video when you haven't even seen it yet, yep. <laughs> especially with criticism. But anyway, not our speaking of not cri- our audience, but that happens elsewhere on YouTube. Speaking of criticism, Brian, I have a redaction I need to make. Oh. Last episode, uh, Brian was talking about how he likes to listen to maxed out bass in his car and doesn't really care about the actual song. And to me, I'm like, why in the world would you not care about the song and just want to listen to bass? And I said, why are you interested in that? Or why why do you like that? And I can see how that could seem a little critical but in reality i have a lot of funky hobbies and i have been asked that question many times like drew why why do you why do you buy those um so for me i'm just curious i just want to seek to understand but i can understand how it could come across one way however after reading some comments brian you are not alone there are many people out there that just like the base and in fact i read some of those comments and got educated about how base can because it has a penetrative force it really can kind of uh, create an environment of music, essentially, and it can kind of, you know, be in you. It's a really fascinating concept. And while Brian just said, I don't know, I just like it um, in classic Brian fashion, I do appreciate <laughs> the YouTube audience providing me with some context. Because me, like, I've got reasons for all the stuff I like. You just need to sit down long enough to, you know, get the whole experience. Brian's just like, I don't know, I just do. So me, I'm like, well, but why? You need to explain this. I need data. I need context, you know? So I got it from the YouTube comment section and I totally get it now. Yeah. Um, bass can definitely uh, permeate you and you can kind of literally feel the music. And yeah. I, I find that fascinating. So I get it now. Thank you. It's a more like all encompassing. Well, uh, so for context too, like I played the contrabass clarinet and the sousaphone and the baritone saxophone 
and I tried to sing baritone, but I'm actually a tenor. Uh, so I, I couldn't sing as low as I wanted to. I've just always naturally been drawn to bass. So I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I've never researched the science behind why one might like a lot of bass. I just know that I always naturally have, just like you might like a particular flavor of food or ice cream or whatever. You know, it's like, do you really diagnose yourself that much as to why you like it? No, you just like it and you just do it and whatever. You like it and it doesn't matter. Fair enough. You're just basic. Yep. Oh, now that's... Get it? That sounded judgy. Because bass? Because bass? That's good. All right. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'm basic in a lot of ways. That's very, very, very true. No, no. Bass-ic. Bass. Yeah, basic with two S's. I I got you. We're on the same wavelength. All right, all right, all right. Ah, We're on the same wavelength. Yeah, sound. Yeah, wavelength. Oh, we got layers. We got layers going on here. Oh, man. All right. We peaked. Game. This is officially as good as it gets for the rest of the podcast. We peaked. That's another, yeah. uh, another audio. It's all downhill from here. Another audio term. Anyway. Oh. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Oh, God. oh, my gosh. Okay. Anyway, we got to get off this situation here. All right. Uh, I got some feedback as well. Uh, somebody says, first of all, thanks for the heavy... Oh, no. This is from me. Sorry. This is not a comment from somebody. This is my comment to you all um thank you for the heavy bass recommendations Uh, i got some uh, recommendations of songs and stuff to check out haven't downloaded them yet but i will for sure um and (laughs) we got a lot of comments so we posted a slice earlier which is so funny because it came from a pen cast that we'd already published this was on pen cases and uh you know drew shortened it republished it out because it's more helpful to have it that way because believe it or not not everybody likes to sit down and watch an hour and a half to two hour broadcast to just try to pull up any relevant pen information so we'll try to take the relevant pen information and publish it as own video but um so we did that and i got what four or five different comments that were like they were like brian you look depressed you look are you mad at drew you know just like they read they read into my face a lot and i was like what are they even talking about and and drew was like yeah he's like he's like i didn't notice anything in the moment literally drew's just going on about pen cases and I think what's happening, I don't remember the exact details, but I think what's happening is there was like something on Slack or something that was coming up. There was some issue that was coming up that just diverted my attention away because guys, believe it or not, I'm the CEO of the Goulet Pen Company and there are like actual business related things that I have to pay attention to sometimes. And looking at the timeline of when we shot that specific video, I had come off of like a full day leadership planning meeting and then we had like a visit with somebody and so i was like two days basically out of commission so probably there was some issue that needed addressing that i just hadn't got to yet i was exhausted and while drew was talking about pen cases i was like okay i can zone out for a minute here and deal with like the fires that are demanding my attention and so it's it's literally just me ignoring drew and that's like my concentration face that's all you're seeing there's really nothing more to read into it i was just very busy and concentrating on something completely not drew but i think maybe like the context of taking it out of the full pen cast you know it looks like i'm really upset at drew or something because no one said anything about it like on there were no comments about it on that pen cast but no. there were a bunch of comments on the slice so yeah i guess yeah because it was truncated like you know, that. somebody so you're not mad you're not mad at me you promise you're not mad at me somebody was right well i mean not 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 at that moment at least I okay mean, all right good we'll see there's, there's a lot right. of, a lot of pen casts yet to be done today drew um it's true no i'm never mad at drew how can you be mad at this guy <laughs> look at this face how can you be mad at this anyway um so yeah no i'm cool 
really whenever you see that we were joking it's like is this my rbf it's my my resting brian face whenever i'm like <laughs> answering an email or concentrating on something you know rachel and i both have that we're, we're concentrating on something not mad or anything but we're just looking we have this intense look of concentration on our face and we're like oh my gosh are you okay be like what no yeah i'm fine i'm just like writing somebody back who's just really happy and i'm just concentrating on my grammar <laughs> you know that's about it happens all the time so that's what you're seeing this is like you know thousands of hours of yourself up on youtube people are going to sometimes see faces anyway and i make a lot of them all right miss triple j ranch says lol re kid straws i almost spit my coffee out it's so true and clearly universal i was talking about how disgusting straws are that kids use and especially the crazy straws um, said my three kids do the exact same thing. Curse the crazy straws as well as the hot chocolate. They hear that from a mile away and now they heard you. So they're going to be begging for hot chocolate right now. Whisper those words, Brian. Whisper. <laughs> Very true. Um, Albert says, I turkey hammocked this week, which is awesome because I think that's the first I've seen turkey hammock used as a verb. That's what I was going to say. Yes. <laughs> which is just... For, the, for those of you who don't know, a turkey hammock has come to be known as you know you, the random code word that you hear if you watch this thing in its entirety which yeah um only the proud the brave uh what, can i don't remember what episode we did that in but it was at the end of the episode and we were like this is a bunch of nonsense and we were like let's just make up a code word so whoever sees it at the end we know they watched the video all the way through and so we did that and had people comment so you, it was kind of like you're in the know um but anyway, Albert says, all one hour and 59 minutes and 48 seconds. We almost made it to two hours last week, Drew. Um, I know. Three sticker ideas for you. Uh, one, hang on to your dongle. <laughs> two, end on a biscuit. And three, how low do you have to go? Keep doing these pen casts. I love that. Um, we're definitely going to have to do something with one or three of these because that's fantastic. <laughs> um, Don says, end on a biscuit. As a professional dog trainer, I'm stealing this one. How fitting is that? Yes! That is fantastic. <laughs> you literally are ending on a biscuit when you are training your dog. So that's pretty great. Um, and then more comments. Lots of appreciation for Rachel's ending on a biscuit quote. And some sticker requests as well. Plus, seals can do whatever they want. And hashtag freedom seals. Very quotable episode, apparently. <laughs> Yes, indeed. Oh, my God. We're trying to make this interesting for y'all because goodness knows we're not giving you actual educational content. So at least if we can entertain you and make a mockery of ourselves, then you'll keep watching. Uh, that said, let's move on to our next segment. Um, normally, we would be doing new stuff in this segment. But, Drew, we do not have a whole lot of new stuff coming in right now. So we're going to talk a little bit about some videos. And then Drew has random questions that he wants to kind of put me in the hot seat a little bit. So we're going to see. It's all about products, though. Um, so for me, you know, got to mention the couple videos we put out recently, some slices on pen cases. If you want to go see my RBF, my resting brine face, you can go see that. And you can comment on whether our, I actually look upset since y'all are our loyal pencast audience you can judge you can judge for yourself one person said you need to increase the fiber in your diet or something Someone like says that. i need to increase my fiber and um, I mean, eat, we eat appreciate less, the concern eat less cheese is what they said now i do eat plenty <laughs> of cheese i will say that i probably could stand eating less cheese just in general but i do, I, I, I do it's, it's it. nice though that like that there's actual care though i mean they they oh, could yeah. 
choose to say like oh man that guy looks dumb you know but like hey are you okay buddy like you seem a little you know yeah. under the weather i hope you i hope you feel better i eat a lot of fiber though i do not think that, that <laughs> i do not think that that is a concern so you know trying to trying to do medical diagnoses over youtube not sure if the effectiveness rating of that but it, you know the intention behind it is solid yeah. and good and i appreciate that um okay and then we also you know as of the recording of this we are trying to launch our pens to last a lifetime video it's one of our more popular videos we've ever done but we wanted to refresh and update it so we've got that we're just kind of finalizing the details it'll probably be published maybe by the time this video goes out we'll see but if not it'll be out very very shortly thereafter so you'll have to let us know what you think of that all right drew you want to put me, right. put me in the hot seat now yeah, Brian, you're gonna you're gonna answer some very straightforward questions with very straightforward answers. Okay, I will be sure um, to not be ambiguous at all and give you very okay, very so it's, precise answers. We have begun 2022. Mm -hmm. It's a new year. It is. So I'm just going to ask you to kind of give us a little bit of a glimpse into the future as it pertains to some new exclusive Goulet products. Okay. Okay. So, our there are going to be any Goulet exclusive pens from Sailor in 2022 because there was a really there was a banger mm. in 2021, Brian. There was. It happened to be high up on the list mm. in our greatest pens of 2021 video. Uh, I believe, check that I believe out. Believe it was number one, in fact, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. I mean, spoiler may alert, or may, not, Brian. may or may not have been number one. <laughs> these are all our, these are all our loyal folks. They've seen the video. Yeah. Um, so yeah, new Goulet pens from Sailor. Go. Um, yes. No. Maybe. <clears throat> well, let me say. I had I had a lot of enthusiasm putting out our first exclusive last year, our first exclusive last year. All right, all right, okay. What about Visconti? What about Goulet pens? Maybe doing something with Visconti? Hmm? Something um, from over there in Italia? Hmm? We've had Visconti exclusives in the past, and I would say that it would not be out of character for us to have <laughs> okay. another Visconti exclusive in the future. All right, all right. Here's an easy one. Retro, retro 51. I mean... Retro 51. Yeah. Right? Like, we, yeah. why, why would we not do one this year? I mean, we did warm hugs, and we announced that it had come and gone because it sold during our pencast recording. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We definitely, yeah. We definitely, there we go. We, we got a yes. Retro 51 in the works. I will confirm We got that. a yes out of them. And I will say... I'm not going to say what it is, but I will say I personally have invested more time in the development of this Retro 51 exclusive than any other one that we've done, which says a lot. I have no idea if it's going to actually pay off, but we'll see. I did invest a lot of time in it. Not that that's the reason you should buy it. You should only buy it if it actually speaks to you, but we'll see. You'll understand mm. when you see it, the pen why it took as much time as it did. Anyway. You'll know when you know. You'll know when you All know. All right. How about finally getting a Goulet exclusive vanishing point? Is that ever going to happen? I mean, probably not. Let's be real. We'd have, we have to buy like a million of them. I mean, literally, we've asked before, and they haven't even like wanted to give us a ridiculous number of like how many we oh. would need to do. So, Oh, God. It would be some ungodly number. I mean, we have in the past barely been able to like crack the door on the conversation of a possibility of even discussing the initial prospect of an idea of doing 
an exclusive vanishing point. It's like we've never had an exclusive pilot anything, right? No, I don't know that. <sighs> to my knowledge, I don't think there's ever been a retailer exclusive pilot anything outside of Japan. Certainly not. So in why the can US Sailor that can do that? Of. But why can Sailor do that? But Pilot can't or won't. I don't know. Uh, you know, there's probably a lot of reasons. There's capacity. Mm. There's you know, just I don't accept any own, of them. <laughs> we're a little biased, you know. I mean. So as a retailer, of course, we love retailer exclusives because we get to have a hand in the design. We get to have something that nobody else has. It's exciting. It generates a lot of interest and buzz and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, to us, it makes a lot of sense. For a manufacturer, though, it's always a calculated risk. Like I understand rather than making something they could sell anywhere, you know, that might have a lot of appeal, they're making something that is kind of restricted. And, you know, generally speaking, the quantities that one, I mean, think of a pilot, a brand as big as pilot how many retailers there are probably in the world. I don't even know how many there are. There's a lot. So seven. At least, at least seven. At least seven. So I would say that, you know, for them, it's probably way less of an incentive to actually do any retailer exclusive, but they do a number of them in Japan. So I, you know, yeah. Sa- Sailor, yeah, really all the Japanese pen sellers that I can think of have done, you know, a lot more exclusives in their home country, which totally makes sense. Um, but outside Japan, not as, not as common, but, you know, I would cer- all right, well, certainly be open I, to it and would be very excited to entertain it. Send, send, me, send, me to Japan, <laughs> send me to Japan and I will talk to the pilot himself. The pilot, yes. Yes, I'm, I'm assuming like, it's like Maverick from Top Gun running that joint. You would think so. You would think so. Yeah. yeah. Some, some 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 sort of pilot. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I'm sure, I'm sure there's a lot of volleyball involved in any case. Yeah. 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 Some Kenny Loggins over there. <laughs> Can't help but play volleyball. That's right. Yeah. All right. We got some questions this week. Actual pen content. We're gonna do it. All right. You ready? Cool. We're gonna. Do I'm ready. Slightly fewer questions than last week. We're not gonna do the lightning round. The the non lightning no, lightning no lightning round. round. No, this is just the regular regular round. Drew. All right, Brian, you ready for the first question this week? Am I ready? Okay. No, but yeah, go ahead. All right. Yeah, I'm ready. Get, uh, Joshua Mahabir says, why are Pelican pens so much more expensive in the U.S. compared to Europe? Good point. And this is not a new question. Nah, I've been going to ask this forever. Because this is, this is not a new situation. Yeah, I don't have a lot of detail around this one, but I mean, we've answered it so many times and it's, it's not a new thing for us. Um, you know, so I, I would say just in general, as with most brands, it's pretty universally known that uh, abroad, the product is going to be more expensive than it would be in your home, either country or territory, region, whatever you want to call it. Um, certainly, you know, the, Europe is different because you got the EU and you get, you know, there are different countries and stuff like that. But if you're in the EU, you have conversion and tax things that, you know, may be similar across different countries. I know in the U.S., pretty much if you're exporting something out, there's going to be customs and, and things like that that are automatically just going to make things more expensive. Um, and then certainly things coming into the U.S., there's all kinds of taxes and tariffs and stuff. But it all depends on the, the class of products, where it is, the price point, where it com- like the country of origin, how much of it's manufactured in different places. There's a lot of different factors that actually come into play. Um, so just in general, whenever you are are dealing with an export, you know, something you're buying something or I guess an import in this case, if you're in the U.S., you're going to be, you know, buying a higher price product than you would if it was from the home country. And um, the thing that, you know, is being talked about with basically all online retail, you know, and just globalization in general is if you're buying like an individual product, especially from a marketplace or from an individual seller, 
you know, you're buying that one product, you're maybe not going to be taxed at the same rate for that individual product as somebody who's, you know, a distributor buying an entire, entire like cargo load of said thing. You know, sometimes that really impacts whether or not you get taxed on something. So sometimes there are actually like trade and tariff laws that frankly kind of work against, you know, larger kind of import export stuff than there are just individuals. Um, this is pretty commonly talked about with like buying, you know, in the US at least buying things from like Amazon from China and stuff like that. And the, the, the shipping costs are stupid low because they're subsidized for small packages and stuff like that. So you pay a lot more if you're, you know, an authorized retailer and you're shipping the stuff in in larger amounts, it might actually be you're kind of more incentivized to buy it individually. So sometimes stuff like that, that's that's more of a global statement. That's not necessarily specific to Pelican. Um, but that is some of why you see, um, especially because pens themselves are pretty small and they can be shipped pretty economically. So a lot of pens tend to be, you know, higher dollar items that can be shipped pretty small and pretty light. So a lot of them fall into that, you know, e-packet kind of territory or, you know, might slip under the radar in certain ways. Or, you know, sometimes they're could be overseas sellers that don't list the product at its full sale price so that it slips under the radar on customs and duties. We see that a lot. We get asked to do that a lot from people buying overseas. They're like, well, my country's really expensive. I'm going to buy this homo sapiens, but can you say that it costs $10? And no, we don't do that. That is lying and it's also illegal. Um, so we don't do that. But I would you, you know, you'd be naive to think that that doesn't happen. You know, as a retailer, you'd be incentivized in some ways to basically lie like that for somebody's, you know, it's, it seems like a victimless crime, right? Because you're not just paying the big bad tax purpose, you know, tax entity, but it's, it's not, it's not an honest way of running business. So we don't do it that way. Um, anyway, I'm really getting on a tangent here. This has nothing specific to do with Pelican. Um, so really with Pelican, they have, you know, some of that going on, just like all brands do. It seems like it's come up more with them, maybe than some other brands. We've definitely seen other brands that also have struggled with this quite a bit. Um, but like as far as a German brand, Lamy doesn't have this pricing disparity. They don't have Pelican that does. pricing disparity. But again, keep in mind, the average Lamy pen is a much lower price than some of these higher end Pelicans. You know, you don't see this issue as much with the lower end Pelicans. It's more with the M400, 600, 800,000 because... The more expensive the pen is, you know, the the more incentive there is to buy it, you know, overseas or gray market or whatever, you know, because the, the potential savings could be greater. Um, so sometimes you could be buying, you know, through a, you know, call it a legitimate authorized seller who's just selling overseas, you know, that's not buying through the U.S. distribution channel you know, but you're buying from, you know, a European channel and just because their import fees and stuff are lower. And then that gets back to like the shipping costs and the duties and stuff like that for an individual as opposed to a company, you know, could work out in your favor. And that's, that's something that, you know, a company as a whole needs to look at because, you know, if there are factors like that, granted there's governmental things and, and stuff like that, that are not always in a company's control, but they need to, to, be aware of that and take that into consideration when setting their prices in different in different territories um, because that you know essentially incentivizes the marketplace if you will or the end users to buy from some countries and not from others which then complicates things in terms of support and questions and you know i mean drew you've worked in our 
company for over a decade and have been in customer service for a number of years. And it's kind of frustrating when somebody buys something from somewhere else and then has an issue or a question about it and they ask us about it. And, you know, basically we're paying our team and their time and energy and effort to support something that you didn't buy from us. Now, yeah, because we're, we're not going to like shut anybody down. If the, the no, first question nice we ask, the first question we ask is not, did you buy from us though? You know, the first yeah. question we do, the, I mean, we just, we just answer it, and but that's um, that's the reality, though. Is you know we're not yeah. all we're not all just like you know, yeah. I mean, and it's it's you know, ultimately in our trust, best interest. Trust fund kids just kind of sitting here, able to do whatever we want. You know, we have to pay our own yeah. bills. So you know, at the end of the day, as long as that's not happening at such a scale that we can't meet you know our needs, then it's okay. We're nice people. We'll still do that for the goodwill of the community. But you know, if you if that happens at a mass scale. Things get really out of whack, and then the company ends up having a hard time supporting their retail network um, because things get out of whack. So that is the thing. There's also gray market stuff where people are acquiring things not through, you know, maybe proper channels or not with the graces of the the company itself. There could be a number of things there. We won't unpack that whole situation, but I know that that does happen um, among not, on many brands, but but definitely with Pelican too. So that's some of the ones where you see there's like huge price disparities, like half the price of a normal retail pen you can pretty much assume that's going to be gray market and you don't know how the thing was acquired you can pretty much assume it's not going to be supported by even by the retailer that you bought it from you know and you're taking a very quickly could you very quickly define gray market for those of us who do not know yeah gray market is uh you know basically it just means that you're buying something through a you know, call it a non-authorized uh channel you know so basically there's a there's an authorized you know, support channel. So like, you know, Pelican, I'm using them as an example because that's what the question's about. So Pelican has an official contractual binding relationship exclusively with, you know, Chartpack in the United States. Um, Chartpack is the distributor. So all of the products that come through the U.S. come into Chartpack. They're the ones that help coordinate all the marketing efforts and the product release information. They support all of the retailers. They do the shipping, the logistics, the distribution. They handle all the taxes and the fees and all that kind of stuff. They're doing all that. They're taking all of the feedback and support and, and, and you know returns and quality issues and all those things. And communicating those back to Pelican, you know, and they've got that set up in different regions across the whole world. So essentially it allows you know, a, a manufacturer like Pelican, who I don't know exactly how many people they have in their company, but it's not huge. I think it's 100, maybe 200 at the most. It's not a huge company. I mean, that sounds big, but that's not that big. I don't even know if it's that big, to be honest with you, but it's 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 not that many people. Um, if they were to try to individually service every Pelican customer around the world, that would be insane. They, they could not manage that with all the different time zones and languages and cultural, you know, con- contexts and all these types of things. Um, so that's why there's an official distribution network, you know, and there's obviously like markups and, and, you know, profit opportunities that need to happen every step of the way. So there's conversation that happens about like, you know, buying direct and stuff like that, or like cutting out the middleman. Is that, is that bad? Like, yeah, you don't want too much of that in there because you want to make sure that value enough value is being added so that at the end price that you're paying is appropriate and is you know is worth it so you can certainly have too many you know people and steps in the process but it's pretty lean in the fountain pen world like you know i've talked to people in other industries and you end up with like multiple distributors who end up competing with each other and there's all kinds of crazy stuff that goes on 
really in the fountain pen world, we're either buying direct from the manufacturer as a retailer, or there's like a distributor, like a sole distributor in like the US or North America as a whole. And that's where everything comes through. So there's like maybe a couple of steps in between and the margins are not super high. It's very reasonable for the services provided. So it's, it's not like you're being scammed. I mean, it is, it is uh, a lot that's happening in the meantime there, but you know, Sometimes some people feel differently about that and they want to get as close to the source and charge as low a price as possible. And in the short term, that's, you know, all well and good. But, you know, then when there's an issue that happens and it takes time to address it and all this type of stuff, if you don't have that network of support that's there, then the bottom just completely drops out. And uh, that's where things get unsupported and kind of crazy and you don't have time for research and development and all that kind of stuff. So that's why some of that stuff is built in there. But anyway... Feel like, I feel like I'm trying to justify why retailers exist, but that is that is uh, it's a, it's been something that I used to feel was I don't know I used to feel like retail price was more of a scam before I got into the retail business, and and certainly in some maybe industries it's it's a little more you know that way, but I don't know in the pen world I see a lot of very passionate people making some some pretty fair and and meager wages for the amount of work that goes into it, um, and uh, so I'm I'm a little more on the side of like yeah in order to do it the right way like sustainably and to support it like well yeah it kind of makes sense why it <laughs> why it's this way and the fountain pen industry is a pretty um, it's a pretty mature industry you know from a distribution and retail standpoint so um, I think it's pretty much settled down to to be in a pretty good place there. But that's that's why you see disparity sometimes because the globalization, the ability for, you know, basically anybody to get their hands on product and list it for sale and sell it, you know, and just make that transaction, assuming nothing goes wrong. Yeah, sure. Yeah, you can do that at a pretty narrow margin price. But those people usually don't stick around very long because any bump in the road that they hit, they don't have any margin to absorb that. And usually customer service is non-existent and... Uh, you know, they can't uh, take anything back. They can't help you with the questions, that kind of thing. So I'm generalizing, but um, that is why some of you, some of why you see these price disparities among different brands, um, because, you know, frankly, it's a lot for companies to get their hands around when dealing with globally. And some, you know, Pelican's a big brand. There's a, it's, it's widely known in many different countries. And so the, the incentive, the brand recognition is strong. So there's more incentive for gray market retailers to try to sell those pens because People want them, and if they see a really good price, they'll buy it. But then, you know, the support may not be there. Anyway, there you go. Didn't mean for that to be a deep dive, but we kind of we were like scuba diving, we were like free diving with a snorkel, snorkeling. Maybe. Yeah, 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 free diving. Like, you know, hundred meters, maybe hundred meter dive. It's pretty deep. But it's not going to crush you. Very nice. Um, <laughs> we don't have uh, we don't have Jen in here to. Uh flash your time limit cards for no. you yeah i miss that a lot in company meetings back when we were all in the office <laughs> um brian would be up in front of everybody you know doing a company meeting and um his assistant jen who is a just a del- delightful human and uh very much you know fills out brian's strengths uh would have little like cards to like okay you're you got five minutes you got two minutes one minute stop talking yeah. <laughs> and she would have signs for all up, of that shut up card moving along <laughs> yep yep <laughs> And sometimes it was helpful. Sometimes Brian's like, no, I got, I got stuff to say. All right. <laughs> yeah, mostly it's just I get on a roll and I lose the track of time. 
But. No, that was good though. I mean, that's not uh, that's not context <laughs> that most people have, and it's um, it's complicated. Yeah. It's not something that can be it easily is, yeah. described. You know, to be to be perfectly fair to you. Yeah, but look, it's it's fine. Like, I'm not I'm not trying to be all butthurt about it, but it is uh, it's a reality and something that definitely has been more of an issue in the last ten years or so with globalization, all that kind of stuff. I think it's something that just like every company is gonna have to grapple with, and we're gonna have to see like what makes sense moving forward in e-commerce and all that kind of stuff as the world moves along but i'm a big fan of like we should be adding value like doing stuff like this like this is adding value but this is also you're watching this video for free but like drew and i are you know doing it so it, it costs money to make this thing happen <laughs> so you know that's cool it all it all goes into the fold we're doing okay yeah cool all right next question uh <laughs> sort of sort of a question marcus stang one um best flex nibs that's 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 what you got. Best flex nibs, Drew. All right. Well, hey, you know what? That gives us room to uh, to adapt this to what what we want to do. And I chose to adapt this, Marcus, <clears throat> to a super scientific, totally objective mm. countdown of my top five oh flex nibs. Which okay. Brian is, will immediately say, "Well, hold on. There's not exactly. You can't say one's best." So, but I'm going to tell you, and then he can he can go do his Brian Brian stuff here in a little bit. All right. All right, so number five, the Conklin Omniflex nib. Got to give them credit. They developed this thing with Yovo, so it's the only Yovo steel flexible nib, and you can find it on Conklin pens and Monteverde pens. Um, <clears throat> it's super cool. The nib itself, I think, is great. I think sometimes the feeds that are attached to those can't quite keep up, uh, and really it's not, like, super flexible kind of at all it's a nice bouncy nib and honestly if you don't use it as a flex nib and you just use it as a normal nib it's really comfortable has a nice bounce so i mean i like it it just doesn't flex a ton and mm. if you do flex it a ton it can get messed up kind of easily so um i would say it's a nice fun bouncy nib definitely recommend it but don't push it too hard and don't have super lofty expectations yeah yeah um keep it keep it realistic and yeah yeah absolutely and to be number four sorry to be fair here drew drew did mention you know marnaverdi and conklin i think conklin they came out with a pen called the conklin omniflex i think the nib itself is just called omniflex oh yeah so it's like yo you know yaffa is the 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 company good point developed it and they put it on both conklin and marnaverdi but it's just omniflex so anyway yep you're right. It doesn't really you're matter. Right. Good but, point. You know. No, no, no. Thank you. That was helpful. Um, so number four, the Peniter Quill Nib. Um, I think sometimes they call it Hyperflex as well. Uh, uh, they call it that. I, we don't call it that because we that don't call sends it that. the wrong message. It does send the wrong message. That's a good point, Brian. So <laughs> again, this is my number one most beautiful nib. I think that this nib is the most stunningly gorgeous nib. Maybe other than that one limited edition Tibaldi nib, Brian, um, with mm. the eagle on that. Um, but normally yeah absolutely stunningly beautiful nib and has a great amount of bounce to it the interesting thing about the quill nib though is that when it does flex it the tines don't really move apart as much as they just kind of move up so they don't really Mm. spread out very much but they do bounce and i think it's a very very nice very pleasant riding experience so comfortable and i love love riding with this nib do you get and uh sorry not to break your flow do you get a lot of line variation with the the quill nib okay yeah, because I nope. when you put it on here, I was like, I I I I call it more of a soft nib. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I put it on here because they call it a hyperflex nib, and <sighs> you know, it's 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 a bouncy nib, but okay. it's it's bouncy kind of like you know, honestly, a lot of pens on this list, like modern flex nibs, you know, they might they're probably more called bounce nibs than flex nibs. To, <laughs> 
you know, realistically, they bounce, much, they move. Doesn't have much ring to it. Yeah, yeah, they, they move up and down. They provide, it's kind of like if you wanted to have a more smooth ride in your car, you know, getting one of those like luxury sedans, you know, you're kind of just going to glide down the highway, you know, this mm. is, that's what, that's what the modern bounce nib can do for you. It can just kind of make it a more comfortable riding experience. So um, the quill nib looks good and feels good when you ride with it. Mm. Um, next up would have been number one, but uh, the Pilot 912 FA, and I say it would have been number one if the feed could keep up with it. This is one of my favorites because mm. I love this pen. I way enjoy flat top pens more than round top pens. And the uh, 912, I think, is one of Pilot's best pens, but doesn't get a whole lot of love for some reason. It's expensive. Um, but the 912 FA nib, FA standing for Falcon, but it's definitely not the same nib that's on the Pilot Falcon. Um, it is a really, really fun nib to write with and honestly can give you some really good line variation, um, especially the extra fine and the fine, but you need to be patient with it. It is finicky. Writing angle has a lot to do with it. With Brian and I, our experience, our experience, like, like almost more than any other pen I've used, this one is yeah seems like super finicky in terms of writing angle. That's where Drew is yeah, he, going with this. Yeah, yeah, I think it writes a little bit better with a higher angle, higher than mm-hmm. what I think most people are used to writing with. I yeah. think it's pretty common for folks to write with like a forty degree, forty five maybe, but this mm-hmm. thing writes a little bit better with a fifty. But yeah. even that's not super consistent. What I will say is you will enjoy this pen if you are okay being adaptable. If you are fine getting a pen and saying like, okay, this pen doesn't really work well here. Let me kind of move my hand around a little bit. Let me maybe try doing the underwriting thing with this pen. If you're fine with that, if you're used to that, then yeah, sure, you would love this pen. But if you're like, no, this is the way I write. This pen needs to fit my writing style. It might not be the right pen for you. Yeah. Um, So just keep that in mind. Okay, where do you feel about that, Drew? Because I do... I get where people are coming from. They're like, I'm going to write how I'm going to write and the pen should conform to me in order for it to be considered like a good pen or a pen that I like. But if obviously everybody is different. I mean, we've seen probably more than your average person. We've probably seen more people hold pens in more different ways. Some people do some just crazy things like things i could not have even conceived and to them it's totally normal and i'm like they'll send us a picture of their writing angle and i'm like that that's your foot why are you (laughs) so okay all right but like that's different and that's cool like no judgment but i'm like okay that's why you you see a snapshot of a comment somewhere and somebody's like this pen is the worst thing i've ever written with but then when you get to know and you see and you compare it especially if you go to like pen shows and you can actually see in person you know talk to any nibmeister like there's no better way to grind someone's nib to then when you're in person because you see how they write and you're like oh okay i see what you're doing let me adjust that for you but it's like very individualized which is a double-edged sword and and very very so and i definitely like certain <laughs> pens are just some pens are like made to be work in a pretty specific way which like these this this one is some pens are made to be much more universal and i think it's the ones that are much more universal that are kind of more universally talked about as the good writers but doesn't mean that it's necessarily a better writer it's just a broader more consistent writer for more people anyway go ahead yeah no i agree with you that is the question do you think the pen should be you know, more, you know, one size fits all, or, you know, do you need to adapt to work with the pen? Mm. And we've had that conversation about the Lam- the Lamy 2000, you know, yep. more than a couple times. Yep. We've had the conversation about this. So Fle- really, flex uh, you know, comes up, that comes up. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, it, it just depends. There, if you right. if you do want more mm. of a one size fits all pen, they're definitely out there, but they're not on this list for sure. That's a good video idea, Drew. Just having that as its own topic, like should your pen conform to you or should you conform to the pen? I don't know. There yeah. might be something there. We'll think. Yeah, we'll think we can talk about, about that. We'll Give us your thoughts. What do you think? Like do you, when you're shopping for a pen, do you when you get it? Are you saying like, okay, I might need to kind of, you know, shift my, you know, situation around a little bit? Or do you say like, hey, this isn't going to work for me because I have a grip. It's not going to change. I need to buy a different pen that's a little bit more conducive to my hand. Um, I'll be curious to hear that. Um, Bringing it back down to number two on my list, I put down the Noodler's Flex Nib. Um, It's durable, very robust. You can actually flex this thing a lot, but it requires pressure. Like it's, it's a you got to push down, like almost to an uncomfortable amount. Like if you push down as hard as you need to on this nib, (laughs) on some of the other nibs on this list, you're gonna mess up that nib. Yeah. Um, But the the Noodler's nibs, like they 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 spring back surprisingly well. Well, It's It's kind of astounding. It's that deep slit. It's that those really long tines you know maybe the i don't know if the the steel itself is different it might be a different alloy or something to or just maybe the way it's ground you know um like there's there's a term called spring back or bounce back that you know basically when a metal is bent how how quickly i guess is it going to bend back and how you know how um resilient is it i guess towards towards mm-hmm. being bent noodlers is is up there on all of that like yeah. it'll it'll take whatever you put down on it but you gotta you gotta go you gotta go after it you gotta go after yeah. that flex <laughs> yeah and like don't push that hard on like the conklin or sorry conklin the omniflex nib or you know the Paniter quill nib yeah. like that that's not you don't need noodlers pressure on those so it's a little weird and then but you get some crazy nibs like the mm-hmm. one brian just described the stock you know flex nib with that really really long yeah. you know couple of slits there a couple of times and then you've got the noodlers triple tail which is crazy you've got two separate um slits which makes three times um and that thing you can get insane variation on like you're t- like it's probably the the triple tail is probably the wettest line you could put down in any you know currently manufactured fountain pen it's pretty dang wet um, yeah maybe, maybe with with the exception of like a you know 6.0 pilot parallel i don't know um, it's still it's a lot of ink it's a lot of ink i mean yeah on. i guess i guess it's not as wide yeah but but it's like it a, is more ink and like in terms of like a concentration of like volume yes. of it, like saturation <laughs> yes. level of ink volume yes. wise yes yeah um but then of course you have to deal with the finickiness of the pen so it's weird putting this on number two because the pens themselves do require some finagling here and there uh you could get one that works just perfect out of the box or you need to heat set it or you know pull out the feed put it back in kind of work with it so that certainly may not be your cup of tea it is some people's cup of tea and often not others but uh and also they smell bad um that's that's a thing you know noodler's pens bad surprise bad, surprise people with their odor word, drew it smells what it smells no 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 stink is a subjective word <laughs> smell is just a fact no, you said there, there is bad a, bad is not a subjective word i didn't say that i said did i did i, did I say they smell or did they say you said it smells bad I did. Okay. Yeah. Well, they do. <laughs> they do. <laughs> they do. Okay. I'm trying to weasel my. I'm trying to weasel my. It's, come on, it's man. To me, Who thinks they smell good? To me, like sometimes. Don't it's like, even. If Don't, I if no. I haven't showered for like you know how sometimes oh like, god like no, if you shower no. no 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 if you like shower in the morning you're like normally but then you like oh, miss god. you miss one morning so like by the nighttime of the next day you're like you're not you're not like straight up gross. But you just like you missed you missed your no, oh, you missed your normal so, rhythm. 
And then you also realize you're like, did I put on deodorant this morning? And then you kind of like <laughs> smell check it a little bit and you're like, ooh. Ooh, it's got a little spice to it. You know what and, I mean? And I, like, all, and I always say, at least I don't smell like a noodler's pen. It's got you musk. That, that's... I would say it's got musk. No, oh, no, no. When you open a fresh noodler's pen, Brian, it it's, hits you. It, it's got it is a, a muskiness a, to it. It's musky. No, it's an impact. Uh, no, it, it is a punch. It is a, a fresh noodler's pen with, man, it's got punchiness to it. It's got, it's got strength. It's like... You know, it's like there are some cheeses that that many would say maybe don't smell that's great, true. but they taste wonderful. That's true. It doesn't doesn't mean that it's bad cheese. It just that's how it smells. So that's kind of it's kind of where I fall I with the re- I, I, Okay, I respect that analogy. That is accurate. I'm, but, real, I'm really stretching here. It's, it's pretty <laughs> uni- are, but, it's pretty universally commented about as not being a yeah, particularly pleasant yeah. smell. But Brian, Brian will it's, it's always like, play devil's advocate. Like in any conversation, it could be a topic he totally agrees with. Like we'll be in a meeting, and everybody will be in agreement. And Brian, in his mind, will be like, "I totally agree with this." But yet he'll say, "Like, well, hey, how about this? How I'm about like, this? Like you nobody, totally... else, nobody else is even trying to argue the point. I'm just being <laughs> no. instigator." Well, to to be fair, like so we did the. If you ever ever done uh, like Myers Briggs like stuff, or there's a website called sixteenpersonalities.com, no affiliation, um, but uh, they have like personality like names to each of the 16 you know mbti profile things uh my name is literally the debater so uh-huh. yeah i will i will argue a point just for the mental jousting of it yeah Which, meanwhile i'm the campaigner so i'm just like y- you need to be into what i'm into because this is cool listen to me and yeah enjoy it as much as me there you go. Which just absolutely strikes true yeah um fountain pens are awesome <laughs> buy them well, they, all right number are. one number one best flex nib in my opinion which is a fact Mm. the pilot falcon um artist formerly known as namiki falcon Mm. one of the most enjoyable writing experiences you can get with a modern manufactured fountain pen Mm. bar none you will be hard pressed to find someone who has used one of these things and mass-produced fountain pen you can get custom grinds and things like that but yeah we're talking like available stock from the manufacturer kind of thing for sure it's lightweight feels comfortable looks good especially the black with the silver trim thank you mm. um and can provide you with that it's probably of on this list it's probably the most like what you would expect from a flex pen than anything else because it does give you line variation it does bounce it feels good it looks amazing there's no other nib that looks quite like the pilot falcon nib um and uh, now it's not going to do anything super crazy there are a lot of videos online of people going absolutely crazy doing insanely beautiful but complicated calligraphy with these things but a lot of those videos are pilot falcons with custom grinds on them so Mm. um you may not be able to push it to quite the same limits that you might have seen on you know certain viral youtube videos however you can get some good results with them and uh i I think that um it's if even if you don't like some of the other nibs i mentioned want to flex you will still get a really really pleasant writing experience and if you do want to flex pick the extra fine or the fine it might feel a little toothy but be gentle don't push down any pressure and you will get a ton of line variation, a surprisingly large amount of variation compared to other currently produced flexible <laughs> nibs, bounce nibs. Now, one, and that's my list. One, one Brian, point, one point agree cl- with all of it. One point, I, I largely do. Um, one, one point of clarity on that is the Pilot Falcon that we carry has the soft nib. That's all we've ever carried. There is a Falcon that comes with what they call the hard nib or just like the standard nibs. The shape is the same, like the overall shape, the look, the beak, you know, design and all that. It's just a stiffer nib 
you know, so it's, it's one of those things that like in the US and with us and all that, we just call it the Pilot Falcon. It's technically the Pilot Falcon with a soft fine or soft medium, soft extra yeah. fine. Can you that's even get the hard nib in the US? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. You can. That's all we've ever seen. But I just need to clarify that that is technically a soft nib. So anyway, true. Um, yeah, I would. I'm. I'm. I'm pretty much in agreement with Drew on most of this, except that you know I think the the noodlers, especially the Ahab, to me, I do like the triple tail a lot, and the triple tail does not have the distinctive smell that Drew. Um, it still discussed. has a smell. No, it's it not. No, it's a different. Oh, it uh, does. No, it's a different. Uh, it's a different material. It smells like something. You're just scarred. No, it You're does. You're just smelling it by association. No, no. Nah, if you, no, it's it not definitely. The same. It's if, not the same. It's not the same. I didn't say it was the same. It has a smell though. If you, you know, took out a pilot metropolitan, not not a, that's metal. But if you took out any other resin pen, okay, smelled that, and you smell the triple tail, the triple tail, you're gonna say, wow, this one smells and this one doesn't. I mean. It's not as funky as an Ahab. There's just, but there's just there is there is something. There's a lot of smells in the world, you know. <laughs> oh God! Some Here things we go. smell one way, other things it smells, smell another way. It's all it is, just it smell. is a much less it's a much less severe smell. I'll say that. Severe is very strong word, but you have you know. to. Oh my God! You have to get it closer to your nose to smell it than you do. Like here, here here's yeah, an yeah. Ahab. Here's an Ahab smell. Here's a triple tail smell. Oh come on! I think I think the triple tail is way less of a smell than that. You gotta have. Like, I like. I, I do need, like the triple tail. Like, you almost need like nose contact to smell the triple tail. Okay, please let like, in the comments if you have a triple tail. I I can either how, be wrong. How or far right. away from your face do right. you need a no, triple tail? Would you would you call it would you call it a stinky pen? That that's all. That's. There you go. We'll let, we'll let the people decide, Brian. St- see, now you're going to say all of the terms that you're using here are derogatory smell terms. Would you call it a smelly pen? Do you think the pen has a strong odor? Even smelly. It's like, what is that? That's like saying a food is tasty. Like, taste is I couldn't say, I couldn't say good or any, bad. Like, smell yeah, I couldn't smelly. Say any adjec- I couldn't say any adjective that you would be happy with, Brian. This is, like, well, this, is my, is, this is my just being, what is, being what is, a pain in what your is, side here. What does resin even mean, really? What is what is a pen? I mean, <laughs> you actually bring up a good point. Resin, Stop it! Resin can mean a lot of different... I'm just oh, my God. <laughs> I'm really just being a pain. <gasps> okay. Oh, my God. I've got the next question, Brian. I'm going to ask you something, oh, wait, wait, wait. and no, no, oh, no, my no. God. I had, I had more relevant things to say. Okay, sorry. All right. So, I, I agree. Smells aside, um, <laughs> I actually really like the Ahab nib. I think especially for value sake i think the ahab is is number one um for like flex for the money and actually in terms of results like line variation consistency of performance especially for the you know degree of variation that you get the ahab is pretty dang tough to beat um that said the actual writing experience is not you know, like my number one favorite, just the way that it feels on the page, like that extreme amount of flex, the amount you have to press it, the, you know, the, all the, all the senses that you're feeling while you're writing with that pen, you know, smell, being all much, of the senses, smell, smell, <laughs> touch, you know, all the, the visual, like the Ahab is not my favorite, like pen shape. Uh, but purely like in terms of when I want what I think is, you know, a dramatic, like verbiage, like script on the page, I'm I'm very pleased with the performance I get out of an Ahab. 
is it the most pleasurable writing experience with all senses involved? Pro- probably not. So I would, for me, it's like, it depends on how you, how you would interpret this question as best. So that's, that's just my own little thing in there. But I did want to throw one, one other pen in here since most of the pens that Drew mentioned on this list are not actually flex pens. They're just gold nib pens or soft nibs or whatever. But that's fine. That's cool. No judgment. Um, that, a lot of I'm them are throw, called flex pen. Well, we don't call them flex pens <laughs> because, because we don't want to, We're like, oh gosh, people really like think if flex I, if, is if, one if, thing. If I, only, if I only, you know, said best flex nibs on nibs that we actually thought were flex nibs, I, this would be like a list with two pens on it. Probably. Um, we use the term very selectively because we've been scarred from people having very assumptive expectations about what a flex pen should be able to do, um, which is fine. But that's gotten better over the years. Um, I would, so all that said, I would throw the Pilot E95S in the mix somewhere because you can get some line variation. It's a very bouncy nib with some good line variation. And the nib, you know, got a lot of good nib size options on there. And it's an inlay nib. It's really cool. So E95S, I think, should be thrown into consideration there. Not as like a, I'm writing with a pen to get flex all the time, but it's more of like, a, I want a sleeper, like a sleeper pen with some line variation. I want to just bust it out every now and then. E95S is a great one for that. Boom. All right. All right. Brian, this next question, uh, you you put some notes in here. <laughs> We're dragging on about stuff that we didn't even put a lot of notes on, so I don't know what we're going to no, do. No, so uh, get ready for this one. Um, <laughs> I'll try our to, third question I'll this week. Yeah, our third question this week comes from Reflex on uh, Instagram, and uh, this person says or asks how to start a YouTube channel about fountain pens. Unfortunately, I've never done that before, but I do know someone who has. I have done this. We'll we'll we'll, we'll call him Shmrian Shmule for uh, anonymity's sake. Yeah. A friend has told me about a YouTube channel that he started. Um, <laughs> I mean, in its most basic and mildly snarky form, you sign up and start posting videos. Like, it's really that simple. Uh, I had no more idea than that when I started doing it. Um, so it really is very, very, very simple. Now, I'll give you a slightly more meaningful answer than that um, so that this question actually doesn't sound like I'm trying to make one of you because I'm not trying to do that. Um, but it's very, very simple to just start a YouTube channel. But I think, you know, the approach that I took when I was looking to start originally a blog and then subsequent videos, YouTube content around it, um, was, you know, I made a list of 50 different ideas that I had for creating, you know, pieces of content in whatever form made sense. And if you can come up with, if you can sit down and make a list of 50 different ideas, like meaningful ideas, then you probably have enough there to create some content around it. You know, it's not for everybody. Like not everybody should be making videos and having social channels and stuff like that. Um, Cause it's a lot of work and it takes a lot of creative energy and stuff like that. But if you really enjoy it, you feel inclined to do it, you make a list and you get really excited about it. I think I made two or three videos or made, I don't even know if they were full on videos, two or three blog posts, I think was originally the context I was doing that. This was in 2009 that I made this list. <laughs> um, I think I made maybe three out of the original list of 78 that I came up with. So just when I started making more, more, more ideas came up, people left comments and engaged and I came up with new ideas. So like, I think that's a good catalyst. Like if you can come up with 50, then you have enough just creative 
you know, just stuff needing to get out that you're probably going to be able to keep it flowing. Um, whereas if it feels like an absolute chore, you're not going to enjoy the process. Um, so that said, um, specifically with, with video, there's a few different ways to go about it. It's much more established now than it was when we started making videos back in the day. Um, so I have a few different ideas of maybe just ways that you could think about doing it. Um, one is like vlog style, you know, this is really just talking about yourself, your own experience. You're kind of just like talking into the camera. Hey, here's what I did today, this week, whatever time frame you're comfortable with. I got this pen. I got this thing. You're kind of like a little more of like a, I don't know, well, vlog. That's, that's what originally what vlogging was. People would do stuff daily or weekly or whatever. And you're just talking about your own experiences. It can be what other products you're talking about, researching things you've tried, that kind of stuff. You can keep it fountain pen focused, or you can have a little looser. I would say this is kind of the style of what we have with the pencast, because it's kind of like we we have these pencasts scheduled. We don't know exactly what we're going to talk about, but we have a format and we kind of fill it in with whatever content comes up and then whatever nonsense comes in our head as we're recording. So that, sometimes five minutes prior. Yeah. So totally legit way. Some people love doing the vlog style and it's just like an online, essentially video diary. And that's totally fine. You can go that way. Um, I'd say another way you could go is like super detailed, like tech reviewer, nerdy, you know, kind of type where it's like all about the products and reviews and that kind of thing. Um, I think of like a Stephen Brown, you know, type SBRE Brown, good guy. He's done a lot of fun and kind of goofy stuff too, but like, you know, just a lot of just like straight up reviewing products, deep details, pulling them apart, going into every little bit about them, you know, for anybody that's fans of these products. You know, that's what you get into and you bond over, you know, just totally geeking out about whatever the thing is. That's a great way to go. There's tons of reviewers of all different types of things on YouTube. Um, I think you can go the art or like usage route. So whether you like writing, drawing, calligraphy, you know, kind of using the pens as tools, not so much reviewing the pens themselves or talking about yourself, but you're creating something with it. I think of somebody like Peter Draws or maybe like the bullet journalists and stuff that you see out there that are that are creating artwork, you know, urban sketching, another kind of avenue to go with that. Um, so kind of some interesting um, stuff around that. And again, you can do any or all of these things. These are just routes that you could go that might seem appealing. Um, I think you could go more like the news or like commentary route. You know, this is, there's a little bit less of this in the fountain pen world because it's a pretty established. You see a lot of this in like, you know, think of like electronics or sports or like tech products. You know, there's a lot of new stuff that's coming out and a lot of just, you know, people that are interested in what's going on. So you can have, you know, essentially, you know, people that are watching what's going on in the world and then commenting about it in whatever, you know, however specific of a fashion you want. You certainly could go that route with fountain pens. I think about like Penboy Roy has gone a little more of the news anchor. He does a lot of reviews, a lot of other things too, but he's definitely gone a little more of commenting about some of what's going in on in the community and at different, you know points in time a lot a lot of uh, uh industry deep dives as well yeah yeah, um, yeah you know a lot a lot of background about like you know whenever he does a product mm -hmm. review he talks about like the company's origins and stuff like that yeah. which is pretty unique yeah absolutely and it's a little less about like <clears throat> hey here's my personal opinion it's more of like investigative i would say it's like mm -hmm. you're kind of commenting about you know a, a observational kind of stuff of what's going on in the industry there's something some of that or you could go just like very generic you know kind of youtube go really broad think of like you know the how-to's and the 
top pens, you know, as gifts and this type of thing could even go beyond just the fountain pen thing. It could be, you know, top gifts for graduates and fountain pens could be in there. You know, there's a lot of YouTubers that get into just very broad content. It's not even like specialized. I don't see as much of this necessarily in the fountain pen world. We've certainly done plenty of it. Um, you know, top pens to last a lifetime, top whatever, ways to improve your handwriting, that type of stuff. So you can keep it as focused or as broad as you want, but that's a little more of like, I'll call it curating content, you know? So it's a little bit of sort of commentary, but not full on investigative. You're sort of using your own expertise, perspective, judgment, whatever, to get a view and kind of put a, I don't know, a list of some kind together you know, for entertainment, maybe some educational purpose, but you're kind of like rounding up a lot of different information and then giving people like little snapshots about it. So uh, we've basically done mixes of all of these things on our channel over the years, frankly, because we've just produced so many dang videos. We're like, I need to do something different. Let's try this method. And we do that and we kind of like doing it all. Um, so I would say these are all pretty solid ideas that you could just knock around, see which ones kind of light you up and you know, see what you naturally gravitate to and what fits your personality style. You know, not just in the pen world, but just in terms of content that you watch and, and find enjoyable. Um, see what fits your personality and try and match it up as close to that as possible. Um, but I would say, you know, just see what, what kind of flows out of you naturally. Don't just, don't just go the route of like what you think is hot or what you think, you know, people will want to see because if it doesn't, I mean, that's always well and good, but if it doesn't also naturally fit with what's easy for you, like if you're not a very detailed person and you don't like investigating and researching, you're going to hate doing the deep detailed stuff because it's going to feel like a chore. People are going to ask you deeper and deeper and deeper questions in the comments when you post these types of videos. And if you're not like one who just really gets off on finding the weirdest, smallest detail on something, you're going to be really bothered and it's going to be annoying and you're not going to post anything. You need to be passionate about it. Absolutely. That's huge. Absolutely. You, that, that, that needs to come across. Find, yeah. find a topic or a style mm -hmm. that you just can get really jazzed up about because 100%. that conveys to your audience 100%. Absolutely. Um, and then I would say like, you know, some of how this question could be interpreted is like, there's a lot of questions too about like the gear, the tech, the, you know, how do I like logistically like publish a video? It is so stupid easy now. Like just don't even overthink it. Just use your smartphone you probably have a smartphone if you're watching this and if you access youtube on a regular basis they make it so easy now you can literally record from your phone into youtube and not even like they have a built-in editor there's like almost no excuse not to do it as long as you have access to the internet so got music just, library yeah, they've got so like, many assets you can use if y'all even had a clue how kludgy it was when we first started making videos we can go back and watch them they're awful like just the editing and stuff like that partly because i didn't know what i was doing and even the tools we had then were actually they're not super terrible like my parents were doing desktop publishing back in the 80s and 90s and so like i grew up around some early computers and just like seeing what they had to go through to get any type of digital anything going kind of amazing so these days like i can't complain about any technology because it's all miraculous compared to what was around even a few years ago so don't let the, the technology be a barrier at all 
I can guarantee you, like you got to get it to a minimum acceptable level, but not in the beginning. Just get something that is not a barrier to get your content flowing. That's really the biggest thing. Get something that's acceptable enough, which basically any modern smartphone, any, any smartphone from the last five years would probably be acceptable enough to get good content out. So if you are making an excuse about not having the latest phone or whatever, that's all it is is an excuse. You should spend more time getting your content together because that's uh, the technology is not what's holding you back. Now you'll get to a certain point where your audience is big enough where you do need to increase the, the technology enough so that it's not distracting how bad it might be. Um, that's pretty much where we're at. We've invested a little bit over the years, but still it's not like we're going nuts over here. We'd but still when enough. the pandemic was at its worst, I was shooting videos on my cell phone and uploading them to our channel. Oh, so yeah. I mean, it, we'll still it works just fine. Absolutely. And so it gets the job done. Totally what you should do. Um, and then Drew, you also made a note in here that uh, Figboot on pens, you know, David Parker has done uh, a whole video specifically on creating content. So we'll link to that in the description there. He's done a good job um, of posting some stuff in more detail on that. So you got lots of good resources there, but goodness, just, just do it. There's like the whole fountain pen thing, basically, like if we're not out here publishing content around it, people are gonna forget that they exist. So I am such an advocate for if you're passionate about it, just start doing it like and your your followers your your fans whoever whatever you want to call it they will guide you and you'll find your place and if you just find the things to do find the things in the process that you enjoy you'll find your own little niche and then you'll work it and you'll just have a good time it's going to be a, it's going to be a just a crud load of work because anything related to video is but it's it's also super super fun there we go all right good luck Good luck indeed. All right. Time for me to shut up and let Drew talk. All right, Drew, Gad, Gazdag Victor. There we go. Um, another non-question here. Just a demand. Oversi <laughs> oversized and jumbo pens. So, again, we can kind of go anywhere we want with this. So, thank you for the freedom, Gazdag Victor. Um, like worst ones? So best ones? I don't know. I don't know what they're we're looking gonna for. We're going to go with worst worst ones. being the, So, we're going to just name a bunch of small pens being the worst that's, oversized That's pen. how I interpret it, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Um, no, uh, I'm going to pick three that I like and think they're worth mentioning. And then I'm going to pass it over to uh, the big homie, Brian Goulet. And he's going to name three. The, um, the big homie. You know what? That's something that they say on an MMA podcast that I listen that, to. That's the yeah. It's the first they I just, think I've ever been called the big homie in they my just, life. They, they just uh, in any any fighter that they just kind of like. They're like you know, hey, hey, the big homie. You know, whomever. I don't know. Okay, it's endearing though. It's, okay. an, it's endearing. You don't have to be a large human to be a big homie. I mean, I am, and I'm at home, so <laughs> it's, very, it's a very contextual. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, before I pass it on to the big homie, we're going to talk about the Mayora Mitho, and uh, this is a pen that is large, has a nice big grip section as well, because some pens are large, but the grip section isn't like comparably large, I guess, but this one definitely is. Um, it's not super heavy. It is a resin pen. Uh, but I think that the uh, weight comes from how much trim there is on this pen. It's a beautiful pen, and honestly, my favorite pen from either Mayora or Natuno, the black one specifically, has um, what I like. So there's a white one, a black and orange one, and then an all-black one. However, the all-black one um, does have a little bit of orange resin between two other pieces of trim this pen i love because of the trim this is pen, this pen is all about the trim it's got a great yovo nib but the trim 
I see this pen and I see how much work went into it because there, it's segmented so many times. I see like, all right, that is a lot of extra work that they had to do to put this thing together with as many trim options as it has. And the primary trim option is the center band of this pen. And it is a gorgeous, like, I don't even know how to explain it. I don't know what the uh, the pattern specifically is called, but you've got that as the, this ornate center band. And then that is bordered by these two pieces of resin, um, orange or black, depending on which color you're looking at. And then there's more trim. And then there's trim on the, uh, uh, the, um, the blind cap. And then there's trim on the top of the pen as well it's just it's trimmed out really really nice very tasteful and the black one specifically i like because it's got that hint of color that little pop of orange um that uh, this brand is kind of known for uh but it's not you know in your face it still maintains a really classy look to it so mayora mitho check it out there's also the mitho k which is the uh, more expensive version um with a little bit a little bit more going on there um but uh the, the mitho is also just as just as beautiful oh, it's called the, the mithoc the Mythok. Okay. The Mythok, yes. Yeah. Um, and then next up, I want to talk about the Yukari Royale Ooh. by Namiki. Um, so this is a big pen. It's not as big as the Emperor. The Namiki Emperor is the biggest pen that we sell. Yeah, I mean, that's, um, that's such an obvious one to do. It is, yeah. And we, we could have talked about that, but really, like, I don't think that anybody who sees this video is, oh, yeah, you know what? I've got $10,000 just burning a hole in my pocket. Let me do this because Drew well, said it was you can get large. The, you can get the just the Yushi version for $2,000. You know, it's a, it's a bargain. That's that's true. It's a bargain <laughs> the, at 2 k the, the, the plain, um, the, plain the, one. the Yukari Royale is still a big honking pen. Um, however, and then they do have a lot of Makie versions. So most of these Namikis that are in this price range have a ton of Makie and Yurushi work to them that drives their price way, way up. However, there are a, there is a black and a vermilion version of the Yukari Royale, which is just a flat color. That red, though, the vermilion, has that, it's that type of vermilion that you only get when it's a lacquered red. Now, black's black's black, you know, but this particular red it's like this special kind of red that's only yurushi red you know what i mean brian uh, i know what you mean yes it's like there's something special about it so i say vermilion wins 100 percent. and so this is going to be with alongside the black version the more affordable yukari royale it's still pricey but um it's a yeah, big pen definitely. but in in the hand it has this warmth that that you know you can really only get with a pen that has these layers of lacquer um, it's a gorgeous pen, and it's actually insanely popular as well. So you're probably gonna have a hard time get, getting your hands <laughs> like on I one. Say, I can't remember the last on, time we had one in stock. It's crazy. No, no, it's it's. Uh, but but I you know I do have to mention it because I think it is. Um, it's my favorite large pen. I think I don't have one. Probably won't ever. But um, it is also surprisingly lightweight. Um, and then finally, um, one pen that I do have proudly is the Diplomat Arrow. So unlike the Namiki, is not a lightweight pen it's um it's as heavy as it looks i'd say so there are two different well i guess not two different versions there's probably more than two but there's it's aluminum it's a uh, metal pen and it is a an anodized aluminum so the colors have that cool anodized look it's got a beautiful german made nib and writes fantastically caps amazingly well the machining on the threads is super satisfying no sorry the machining on the threads is good when you actually you know close the body to the grip section that's really nice as well but it also caps really well it's a snap cap though it has this wonderful pressure that ends with a just gorgeous little pop and it seals really well as well there is 
a stainless steel version um and is there a stainless steel version and the flame or is it just that one i think it might be just the flame the, we the, might have had a stainless steel version at some point the, but the flame i don't think is stainless steel because i don't think stainless steel will flame like that i think it's what does steel. that it's it's steel it's non-stainless oh, oh, just steel. like okay yeah gotcha. yeah because that this, thing is yeah. that thing is heavy that thing I, that's too heavy for yeah, me personally it's, I mean, the, yeah the regular one's aluminum that one is i don't yeah. remember i think the aluminum is exactly just heavy, heavy enough is, yeah the, the the flame one looks awesome but for me personally i've got smaller hands that's just too much for me um uh but the pen is beautiful and it is a big pen the grip section isn't as big so if you're looking for a big pen with a big grip section it's got more of an average grip section, um, but it is a metal grip section that feels good and it's not slippery. And so I'll give it points for that. A lot of times, you know, folks are concerned about metal grip sections being slippery. The arrow, not slippery at all. No, it's a good, good textured metal on that. But if you want like a big pen, just kind of in the hand, it's perfect. I think that's a phenomenal pen and it's incredibly popular. Um, arguably, well, it might be, it's one of the two m- most popular big pens that we have on our list, I think. But uh, I'll let Brian take over the rest. Yeah, I'm just looking up on the site. I'm like, how uh, how heavy is that uh, <laughs> flame? Let's see here. It's it's uh, it is weighty. Sixty nine grams. That's pretty heavy. That's pretty heavy. That's on the heavier end of any of the pens that we have. That that translate to ninety four pounds. Um, no, two point four yeah, if you, three if you tra- ounces. Two point four, which three. is ninety four pounds it translates to 90 95 stone uh, no um mm-hmm. okay no uh <laughs> let's see i go oh, gosh i've got multi-tab syndrome going on here where are my notes here we go uh-oh um, also just realized my computer is totally not plugged in so i'm gonna have to run over and oh, <laughs> next question that you're answering i'm gonna have to run over and grab my power cord i'm okay i'm at 36 percent, but I'm not okay. I just ran not. out of hot beverages. Not. Uh-oh. We just got to end this you now. You have to go to the bathroom and then refill your coffee. No, I just need, I need, I need drinks. <laughs> All right. My, uh, I went ahead and picked three as well. You know, I'm definitely, I think Drew's, Drew's list is good here. Very solid. Um, I wanted to go with one that wasn't so expensive because basically all the rest of them that we're talking about are pretty expensive. Um, the Jinhao 159, that thing is very large. It looks pretty big. Good call. But then when you hold it in your hand, you're like, oh my gosh, yeah, this is a pretty big pen. Uh, it's, it's very large. Like the grip diameter is very large. The whole pen itself is big and it's just, it's a heavy pen too. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you like big pens that are not super expensive, uh, Jinhao 159 might be up your alley. Um, and then one that you might say that 159 could be semi-inspired from is the um, Sailor King of Pens that I do like that. It's just very classic style. Me personally having very large hands, that pen to me fits into my hand like I imagine most normal pens fit into most normal people's hands. So to me, it feels very natural, which is why I like it so much. But it's also just a big, it's a it's a big pen for most people. But it's not super heavy. That is what I really like about it. So, you know, the 159, it's a big pen, but it kind of tires your hand out after a little while. Not so with the King of Pens. Um, they're all just pretty expensive though. That's the down, downside of all the King of Pens. Um, as is anything in that size range, especially in the gold nib, you know, you get into the Yukari Royales and you get into the Sailor M1000s and stuff like that. You know, your Mont Blanc 149s. Pelican. Pelican, yeah, yeah. You're, you're gonna be, 
you're going to be up there in price. Um, and then since we're pushing the price barrier, I'll go with the Pilot Custom Yurushi. So there's a lot of Yurushi pens. There's a lot of pens with custom in the name, but the one that's literally called Pilot Custom Yurushi, that's the honker that I'm talking about. It's it's basically the biggest Pilot pen that you can get. Um, pilot. Yeah, Pilot. So it sort of crosses over. So Pilot and Namiki, same parent company. Namiki tends to be their higher end stuff, their Yurushi stuff, but they do have a couple of pens that are Yurushi lacquered in Pilot's line. So that gets a little bit confusing, but this kind of bridges the gap there. So it's definitely in that high end, like Namiki range. Um, you're in the like mid thousand, you know, 14, 1500, somewhere around there for this pen. It is Yurushi lacquer, but the pen itself is just huge. I mean, large pen, big nib, big grip. Um, but boy, does that pen write incredibly. And that vermilion though. Oh, the vermilion? Oh, yes. Stop it. Just stop I, it. I know, right? It's, it's got that. It's a sharp, mm. it's a sharp looking pen and it writes so, so well. Is. So yeah. Also flat top points for being a flat top. Flat top too. Yeah. I do not mm. have one of these either. I, I need to, I don't know. Hashtag pen goals, but there you go. That's what I got. Those are my pens. All right, Drew, you got the next one. All righty. Rounding things out, mm. Brian. Um, oh, this is our second question on the pencast from the one and only Pilot823. Wow. The, the, the iconic pen itself writing in to ask us a question, um, <laughs> which, judging by this uh, Instagram logo, is also the proud owner of uh, a Jack Russell Terrier um, with a... Uh, with a sweater of some, some kind? Some, some, sort, some sort of flotation device, perhaps? I don't, I don't know. Either way, um, I mean, we know the Pilot 823 can do it, but just about anything. It's, it's a great pen. Sure. Um, okay, so the Pilot 823 asks us, do you own a fountain pen that writes so perfectly that it feels like you're not even holding it? Um, I imagine that they mean, like, it writes effortless, effortlessly, and there's no, like, friction involved. Not like it, the weight disappears in your grip. Yeah, I was going to say, like, that would be confusing if I didn't know that I was holding a pen, I'd be like... Yeah, I guess it's just so perfect that it it, it feels like a, an extension of your own uh, hand and it just glides across the paper like like you become melted. Like you become one with the pen. Like, like you're not melted... Even, not even consciously thinking of yeah. said pen. Melted butter on ice. Yeah, that's that's weird. <laughs> I, do, I, don't, I know. don't know what that means. Um <laughs> Yeah, so I like the phrasing of this, but uh, I don't know. I, for me, because we do this whole thing, I don't know that I'm ever taken like out of the moment of writing with any pen to the point where I'm not thinking about the pen in my hand because I like, I have such a critical eye for the writing experience that I'm very consciously thinking of everything that's happening with the pen as I'm writing it. Does that make sense? Like, I, no. I don't know that that's a normal thing for everybody. Probably not. But like, basically every minute that I spend writing with a pen, I'm trying to catalog it in my brain because then that's information I could be recalling later when talking to people about my experience when using these pens. So I'm I'm... I would, I would have to consciously make an effort to not do that. Does that make sense? Because like mo I'm not listening to you. Okay, <laughs> you're not alone. <laughs> you're not alone on that one. No, I, I I'm pulling out my pens. I'm pulling out the pens that I 
thought that I was going to talk about, and I don't think I have one of them anymore. It just kind of hit me. Oh. And I'm like, I'm like really confused right now. So I'm sorry. I did not mean disrespect, Brian. I'm sure that what you said was super cool. You're fine. But I'm thinking, I'm, I'm thinking I, a lot trying to find the words, and I think I've, I think I gave, I. I don't have this pen anymore, and feel, I'm not bothered by it because I feel like I think I trade. I feel like I, I think I trade. I feel like I'm in the it. pool playing Marco Polo, and I'm just saying Marco and Drew's like <laughs> at the snack stand getting a freezy pop or something, <laughs> and I'm just like I'm a- wandering around, <laughs> like wondering where Drew is. Uh, no, it's fine. Uh, it's fine. I ignore him all the time too when he's talking. That's fine. Huh? Um, what? Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Cool. Fair enough. Um, so yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't. I, I. I. have trouble answering this question because I don't naturally go to this feeling of feeling like I'm not holding a pen because I'm so conscious of making sure that I'm cataloging right, well, every experience I have with the pen. What's your best writing pen? Like what pen? Yeah, like, I guess that's you- that's how we need to like contextualize. Like what's the pen that I feel writes. <clears throat> the most naturally for me or i guess yeah, is the, least the, distracting most, the most effortlessly thing. like best like combine yeah, yeah yeah comfort with flow which pen is just like the the pen for you yeah i mean it's very it's very contextual to like the pen oh. the nib the nib size that kind of thing um but i think in general i prefer broader smoother nibs so for okay. me like what? broader smoother bouncier nibs you know really when i feel toothiness that takes me out of that feeling like i'm not holding a pen kind of feeling some people it's mm-hmm. the other way around some people if they got something too smooth they feel like they're slipping all over the place and they're distracted drew's yeah he's like that he likes a little more texture than i do i if i feel a lot of that feedback oh man it's, it feels like feels like i got like rocks in my shoe and i'm walking and i'm like ah this is like you know i'm like walking like i got a really cushy comfortable shoe but it's like feels like gritty like what is up with this you know and that feels kind of weird but uh it's a very much a personal preference thing so me i tend to gravitate more towards um you know pens with a little more bounce to them pilot nibs big fan of those um pretty much anything pilot with a gold nib that's in like the medium or broad size pretty on point my famed like custom 74 medium gold nib big fan still am of that one um i do like the lamy 14 karat nibs i mean i like the lamy 2000 not very bouncy um but i like the lamy regular 14 karat gold nibs um that you would get on you know the the studio or cp1 or something like that um in some versions and uh that's very smooth wet flowing yeah, big flow. I like that feeling too. Um, the Pelican, like M600, 800, 1000. Those ones, very, very bouncy, very flowy. Um, so kind of anything in that range, Sailor King of Pens and like the broad especially gets up there. So very, yeah, just anything in that vein. That's that's the ones that feel to me like the most like I'm not holding a pen, I guess, to go with the phraseology of the question. All right. What about you, Drew? You're going to have some very different pens for me than I will. Um, yeah, actually. So one of them was going to be more on the wet side, and that was going to be my Namiki Herringbone. It was like a pen from the 90s that I got. But I think I'm pretty sure I traded Adrian for that one. And I think that's how I got my Vax 700 Iris and my um, Prussian Blue 580. Uh so I think she has that one now. So I guess that one, but it's got a medium nib. It was really smooth. But anyway, that's in the past. Now she has it. It's not mine anymore. So I actually am going to go with two extra fine Japanese nibs, Brian. And uh, so for me, just the, um, and a lot of people don't think that the Pilot Vanishing Point is a comfortable pen. 
I think it is very comfortable. I kind of want a decimo, but for now, this is just fine. I have this 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 black VP has been put through the ringer. I, it's got like I've, I've had to sharpie the uh, the the um the plunger here because it started brassing, and mm. you know, I, I think I think some 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 cr- crudulousness got all up in the little thing and. Every time I would click it, it would like scrape lines into it. Looks like it needs some more sharpie. Actually, I need to freshen that up mm. a little bit. Sounds like, and then the front, and then the front pops off. So like I can just kind of take that off. That's not supposed to happen. What the heck are you but, doing with this pen, Drew? And then hey, this is a well loved pen, Brian. And it's like where where the where the clip is. It's like worn a brass spot off of that, but you can't see it when you cover it up. That's fine. We're just gonna pretend that's not there. Um, stop it. My phone's ringing. All right. Um, so anyway, I love this pen. It is my go-to quick draw pen, and I've been using it for years without fail. It writes every time, and it writes with no effort. So yes, while it's an extra fine Japanese nib, and it is a little toothy, I don't need to put any pressure at all on it. Like I just drag it, and it goes. And to me, that 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 is it. Like it is the best flowing pen that I have. Hmm. It's one of the two best flowing pens that I have. The other one is uh, a recent acquisition. It's the uh, Sailor Pen of the Year from 2021. And uh, while I don't have a lot of red pens, um, this one writes so incredibly well. It's just like Mm. the Pilot. It is an extra fine, but you don't have to do anything. Like, if, if, like, you can hold up, you know, a piece of paper, like, just a loose piece of paper to the side, and I could just... I could just do that, mm. and it would write flawlessly. So it's like and perfect, me, perfect flow, just super, absolutely, super absolutely. If you can, if you can, flow. if you could, yeah, if you can hold a loose piece of paper up and just take your pen and just doodle on it from the side there, like that is, you don't get better flow than that, and it's amazing. So I, these two, just I know, anytime I pick one of these up, it's just going to be perf- a perfect, comfortable writing experience for me. I'm not going to have to retrace any of my lines. There's not going to be any hard starts. They both seal really well, too. Mm. Um, so the, these are the ones that popped into my head. Very cool. All right. Here we go. Uh, tip of the week, Drew. I think you're up for the tip of the week. As you know, last several <laughs> pen casts, we've been just sharing little bits of knowledge that we have that can make your pen experience a little brighter. And, uh, Drew, you've got a old tried and true one that we've been sharing uh, with many of our customers that have had trouble with their pens for a long time. and uh, Yes, indeed. This one does come with a lot of asterisks and a lot of caveats. Uh, so, essentially, if you have a pen that you suspect may have a flow restriction because the tines are too tight together, this is what you can do to open those up a little bit. Generally speaking the way to open those up is to you know use your fingers and or and or have a nib professional do it for you however if you just want to open up a little bit if you think all it takes is just for the tines to open up just a tad what you can do is on you know a piece of paper you can actually press the nib down on the paper with a more than common amount of force so that the tines actually separate a little bit um, maybe three times, kind of like that. One, two, three, and then check the flow. And you do not want to do this more than you need to because pressing it down like that can absolutely move the nib away from the feed, and then nothing's going to work. So really, I only recommend customers do this 
if you're already going to need to replace the nib because you know uh, something happened and this is just kind of like a last ditch effort or you have a lot of experience and you know that you're not going to overstress the nib because what you don't want to do is get a new pen do this spring the nib so that it just wonks itself away from the feet and then say oh this isn't you know working i need to return it i tried to fix it but i couldn't you know they're not going to take it back like you just ruined your nib um so definitely um practice restraint with this technique maybe only even even try it once the trick is do it a little bit test it do it a little bit test it and that's really a golden rule for any sort of nib customization or tuning or any sort of nib related act you can do do a little tiny bit and test it do a little bit tiny bit and test it you don't want to you know because it's really difficult to undo mm-hmm. a lot of uh, a lot of the stuff so but it can work uh, some before you get to the point where you move it away from the feed what you'll do is just open those tines just enough and if they're a little too tight this can help increase flow if you're noticing mm-hmm. dry riding hard starts or just an overall weak flow if your uh, line looks like it's watered down uh, with other pens if you have a black ink but in this pen it's like a light wimpy gray your flow is restricted for some reason and that could be the reason why and mm-hmm. this could help yeah but carefully yeah i i personally generally use this technique when i'm having something that's having like skipping or starting issues when the flow is like restricted to the point where the pen's not actually like functioning well it's a much harder like place to find that fine line of when you might be overdoing it if you have consistent flow but it seems like it's a bit weak and you're trying to just make it a stronger flow that gets a little tougher because then you don't have as much of a like stopping point and it's easier to overdo it so you know everything drew said i agree with here you know i would just maybe try some other things like try some more saturated inks try some cleaning the pens try some other things first if it's always if it's just like oh the ink is not as dark as i think it should be or the line's not as broad as i would like it to be uh that's not necessarily what i would go to with this technique first it's more of a i'm having a problem because it's it's so restricted that it's not actually flowing through the nib consistently and then you um you can fix that with kind of opening this up a little bit but if you've got a pen and you're like you know what i'm gonna need to buy a new nib for this thing before you do that you know give this a try maybe it'll fix it and then if you ruin it you're gonna buy a new nib anyway so you know it's all right yep there you go all right, good. And probably, good tip, I would also just say it's easier to do with steel nibs than gold nibs. I wouldn't really recommend yeah, doing it with gold nibs. Don't do it with gold, gold nibs. nibs. Don't gold nibs don't spring back the way steel nibs do. And yeah. to shape gold nibs, you need to put more force on them, stress them a little bit more, and it's just that should be a no fly zone. And um, like we don't just like some pens, we we have spare steel nibs, and we can work with you and be a lot. We don't have spare gold nibs of almost anything, and you know that's like. You're, you're much more kind of on your own if you try this and you spring your gold nib. Eh, that's You're going to have a harder time getting help with that because it's just the, the yeah. cost is so much more. Um, steel nibs can be a little more forgiving. But yeah, definitely if you've got an issue with your pen, reach out to who you bought it from first before mm-hmm. you try any of this stuff. Yeah, good idea. Cool. All right. Thank you for the tip, Drew. All right. We finally are ready to talk about the Platinum Curados. So we had this segment pen of the week and then we slowly but surely failed to deliver on our pen of the week. So now we've just turned it into 
let's randomly talk about a pen whenever we feel like it. And that's not as catchy maybe of a title, but that's kind of what <laughs> I this love is. It. Um, so while Drew kicks it off, I'm gonna go get my power cord so that my computer doesn't die in the middle of this. Um, but Drew, what was your experience with the Platinum Curidas? All right. <clears throat> well, I actually didn't write with it. I have written with it before in the past. I got one right here. Um, I've been playing with it. And um, overall, I think it's a weird pen. I like it, but it's weird. And I say it's weird because of all of the moving parts. So obviously, there are not a lot of retractable fountain pens out there. Before this, there was only the pens that Pilot had produced um, in their uh, capless line, which includes the Fermo, the Decimo, the Vanishing Point, the Vanishing Point LS. Um, so this was a big deal. And I will say, I am so super impressed that Platinum actually tried to do it. And they did. They succeeded. This is a capless fountain pen, and it works. Um, it is not as simplistic in its parts arrangement as the Pilot Vanishing Point, which... In some ways, it does not need to be compared to, but in other ways, it's going to get compared to because it's a retractable fountain pen, and that's just that's that's the industry. That's the only one there. Um, the clip is removable, which I think is really neat because that's one of the more common issues that folks have to criticize about the Pilot Vanishing Point. However, even if you do remove the clip, there's still a funky bump there. So you cannot create an actual smooth... Uh, surface so the funky bump um, <laughs> I like the funky bump. I mean <laughs> a, it's a funky bump um, unofficial so, unofficial term there yeah so yeah the clip comes off but the funky bump remains one thing I really do like is how gigantic this plunger is it reminds me of a retractable sharpie Brian you know the plunger on those monsters oh yeah it's just huge it's so satisfying it's just a ka-chunk ka-chunk um and it writes well. It writes really well. It seals pretty decently. Um, I've, I haven't, like, you know, really stress tested for dry time or anything like that, but I've got no complaints. It has a plastic door. Um, the Vanishing Point has a metal door. But, you know, overall, the operation is pretty similar. It's pretty clever in that when you push it, the door opens up because a n little notch on the uh, bottom of the door, not a notch, a little kind of a post, drags up against this... Um, catch at the bottom of the pen and kind of pulls the door open so the fact that they're demonstrators makes this a fun pen to just have and fiddle with mm -hmm. as far as fiddle ability excellent top top scores on that um my only complaint comes in the disassembly uh i don't i don't get it, it, it it's 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 what? it's tough it, I, I don't brian um i what disassembled is, this pen earlier today what's not to get and well i put it back together and it stopped clicking and i don't know what happened but I started, I just did it over and over again, and then it started working again. Um, so I don't know what I did, but it wasn't clicking, and now it is clicking. And also, well, you did you, you did it wrong, clearly. But then I did it right. But then it became right. So yeah, I didn't change anything. I just clicked it over and over again until it started working. Hmm. Um, so it's got a um, platinum converter, like a standard platinum converter, in here. But after you take off this front nib section. Um, there there that is uh so there are a lot of parts to it and you could really disassemble this thing into a bunch of different pieces i don't recommend you do that though unless you absolutely have to um because or take a picture before you do just so you know you're putting it back together appropriately we did but do, there's a whole lot going we on did, we did do a video on reassembling it if you uh 
you know, Drew probably didn't reference this video, but had he done it, he might have had an easier time. I watched it when it was new, but I forgot. Well, it definitely ain't new anymore. It's like a year. No. It's yeah, almost two years old because it was right as COVID was hitting that this thing uh, was coming out. All right, let's see if I can. So I just took it apart. I'm going to do it again. This is... Okay, it's working now. Good. Okay. Well, there you go. Okay, I'm learning. But <laughs> so if you do if you do it more than once every two years, you might be just fine. Yeah, you might be just fine. <laughs> let me let me ask this, Brian. When you put yours together uh-huh. and you move this little gray uh, dot into the little slidey zone, yeah. Do you, do you have to move it all the way down, or can you like move it right in the middle of the metal part and kind of like cheat a little bit? I mean, move it. You, like you move it in instead that's... of going down instead of going down into this little j-shaped alcove can you can you just like shove it through the 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 metal no i and get do to it through the get to the end point I do it through the alcove i don't see i don't see to, mine mine you're cutting mine will work oh you're cutting corners that's what you're doing drew that's it, why yeah, you're, you can you can you can do it anyway that's why your funky bump is not i'm in your alcove i mean <laughs> <laughs> or whatever i don't know what term you're throwing out there uh-oh I got a piece that fell off. Okay, never mind. It's the it's the it's the it's the post. What what, what do you think, Brian? What what is your opinion? I think you overall. I think you're. <laughs> there we go. I like the sound. It, it is pretty cool. It, there's a lot of there's a lot of travel. There's a lot of distance of travel in the click. That is true. Yeah. That <clears throat> that's a bit intense for me. But um, no, I mean, okay. So yeah, I like to make fun of Drew, but you know, I. I personally am a fiddler. I always took apart my pens and pencils and stuff like that, especially like when I was in school. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. I had the Dr. Grip mechanical pencil. Oh boy. The number of times I would take that pen apart and put it back together and reconfigure it. I in saw him ways. doing that. We, yep. we were in a homeroom together that year. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. So I love pens with lots of parts and this pen, you can, it's a demo so you can see through it. What, and whatever color you pick, which are all really nice gem tone colors, I like all of them. So to me, it's like such a cool, just like fiddling pen, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm a big fan of that. It doesn't feel as solid as like a vanishing point, you know, it doesn't have as much weight to it, you know, just in terms of actually writing with it, carrying it with me every day. I'm not just practically using it as much though. Honestly, I, I don't really carry the vanishing point quite as much either. So it's just the retractable thing maybe isn't my necessarily my go-to though i don't know why i really should use it more um so it's hard to say because i just i really have not been in the office or going anywhere since this pen came out so it's i really don't feel like i have the best judgment for carrying this pen around with me because i'm really just walking around my house and i have pens laying everywhere so i don't really carry anything with me because any pretty much anywhere in my house i can reach my arm out and grab a pen somewhere though whether it will have ink in it or not is another question um so I don't know, dollar for dollar, I think it's a very cool pen. It's not going to be like the end-all be-all perfect thing for everybody, but if you like pen technology and click retraction and being able to take it apart and fiddling with it, it is a reliable writer. I think it's a very pleasing looking pen. I think the, the you know, when it first came out, it lost a little bit of steam because there were some um, feed issues some of the feeds were having some defects they've fixed that they've addressed that so that is not a thing anymore but i think it took a little bit of the wind out of its sails um, yeah we, so, we haven't heard nearly as much about that as we used to no for sure. not at all so like props to platinum for getting on that and uh, and addressing that so but i think you know it's just 
kind of slipped a little bit under the radar, you know, kind of, kind of since that happened. And then everybody's been dealing with pandemic stuff and it just has not been as, uh, not as much of a thing. So I think it's got a really nice place in the pen market because it's the most affordable retractable pen that I can think of. Um, For sure. And so uh, I think, you know, a lot of people wanted to compare it to the Vanishing Point. I think it's kind of like, you know, not exactly apples to oranges. No, apples to apples, whatever the phrase is. You're not comparing the exact same thing. You know, you're comparing steel nib versus gold, you know, plastic versus metal. It's the mm-hmm. click retraction is largely the similar thing that you have. But even right. that, I mean, the thing about it, it is different. like it's going to be compared because the click retractable zone of fountain pen production there's like five is, of them. Is, like, right, it's absent. It's It's got pilots sitting there all alone, and then yeah. Kyrgios walks in the room like, hey, everybody, oh. Especially click retractable steel nib pens. Yeah. Are there this any, is it. Are there any others? No. I'm, I'm no. thinking right now, are there any others? I don't think so. No. So this is, this like, is it. so it kind of stands in its own place. Like, sub $100 click retractable pen. Mm-hmm. This is it. So, but then again, it's not for everybody. No retractable click retractable fountain pen is for everybody but i think it's cool i think it's worth looking at i think it's you know maybe not like the one pen that i would give to somebody to get into fountain pens because it does stand so much on its own island and there's kind of just a lot to explain about how to use it and fill it and stuff like that but i think if you're an avid pen fan and you like pens that are interesting and different experiences i think this is one worth experiencing if that makes sense that's, yeah. kind of, that's kind of where it falls for me yeah and i and i do like the fact that it's transparent i do like the fiddleability. Mm. Uh, if if even I am not competent enough to effectively <laughs> fiddle with it. I think you're probably representing, you know, more of your, your, you know, typical fountain pen user. Like, not everybody likes to fiddle with their pens to that degree. I represent, like, one way off the deep end of the spectrum. Um, and most people are not that, not that into it. But, yeah, cool. Well, there you go. All right. We talked about the Curados. We pen of the sure week. did. All right, Drew. What's happening we talked about not doing a two-hour pen cast and it looks like we're gonna fail at that because we're <laughs> moving it right along here today uh but anyway what's happening in your actual life uh in my actual life brian mm. Uh, mm. as you know we bought uh, a home a year and a half ago a new home, a home. sold our mm. old home mm. and bought a new home and with our house sale money we had you know some stuff we're like okay gotta build a fence because we have dogs mm. and a fence is necessary. And uh, there are a couple rooms with no overhead lighting. So we got some wires installed. But then we had another little chunk of cash. We we're like, you know what? Let's save this. Mm. Let's save this to redo the very uh, early 90s looking fireplace. So we finally got that done this weekend. So hooray. Sweet. Our fireplace looks a little better now. Now you have, um, a, now you have a late 90s looking so, fireplace? Uh, I'm just kidding. Oh, we have a. 2022 fireplace i think i don't know i don't know what's cool but anyway so that was exciting and guess what i got with some uh some grandmother christmas money that i got i don't know i bought i bought an oculus vr headset gaming system have you ever used one of those uh my brother-in-law had like the original one 
and I oh really I maybe used it like I don't know I'm five six seven years ago something like that oh okay yeah so like um, I, I have no idea what they're like currently but I'm familiar with oh my god it's a virtual reality headset basically it is so much fun this is this is kind of like you know the lowest priced thing it's not like the soup the, all the heavy duty ones you hook up to a PC and it's like you know super immersive gaming this is you know you get the gimmicky stuff so you got the like the lightsaber uh, rhythm game you know oh my I am spending so much time in that and, and, and Shannon loves it too Archer can wear it uh, we've been all three of us having a ton of fun with it and uh, I, I can't wait to play it some more so I am really really loving that and the great thing about it is you can take it anywhere you don't have to plug it into a PlayStation or a um, PC or anything you do have to have a Facebook account and tether your you know your world to you know the metaverse so mm. you know but whatever you're we're just kind of plugging already. yourself into the matrix there Drew yeah pretty much pretty much so that's a little bit of a but anyway we've been having a ton <laughs> of fun with that there's a Darth Vader game which basically puts you inside of like a Star Wars movie and if I could have gone back in time and given like 11 year old drew this thing he would have just lost it like <laughs> absolutely crazy like you got your lightsaber you're like you're like in a ship and you're about to go into hyperspace you're like all right hey turn on these buttons you're like boop 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 and then you grab the thing and you pull it back and all of a sudden all the stars whoosh ah oh, man it's been fun that's pretty awesome it's been fun but what about you how many how many vr video games have you been playing recently uh zero i'm <gasps> dealing with reality more than i want to maybe i need virtual that's, reality that's that's unacceptable Actual reality is not all it's cracked up to be right sometimes right <laughs> no, now no <laughs> that's why people are listening to us right now yeah i guess so <laughs> um no so my my actual reality has been uh well you know we had all that snow that we talked about last week we did have snow i'm still literally looking outside i've a pile of snow sitting out there mm. still um that we were making a fort with the kids and it's still there i mean it snowed what monday last week like snow did you make an igloo snow does not uh no well it's it was more of a lump with a couple of holes attempted to be dug in, could they could they it. get all the way in no oh okay. no it was like a more like a cave that you could fit like your head up to your shoulders maybe <laughs> that's like my dog whenever my dog will do this thing where she'll go under the bed but she'll really just like stick her head under there but she's so yes. stupid she thinks she's under the bed yeah that's like, like yeah you're, when you're playing like you're not, hide you're and, not under the bed you're playing hide and seek with see like you. your two-year-old and they like <laughs> right. put their head under a pillow and their whole body is like very out in the open and they think look i'm in a cave they like, can't, yeah, okay because they can't see you nice they cave think you can't see them yeah um oh, i mean my kids it. are they didn't right they know they're not in the cave yeah they know they just they were like <laughs> yeah this is this is really heavy snow and it's a lot of work so we don't care enough to continue with this adventure which is fine anyway the point is there's still snow on the ground so we've oh my gosh we've had a lot of rain we've had a lot of snow this whole property is just a gigantic mud pit and mm. i am just realizing how poor the drainage is on certain parts of our property here so talking about going into an alternate reality you know i'm a big i'm an advocate of learning how to do things on youtube clearly because we're attempting to teach people things on youtube somewhat uh with what we do and uh i've been learning about like <laughs> like stormwater runoff and French drainage systems and all this type of stuff. And yeah, super exciting. Like I'm watching this and I'm interested and I'm kind of doing, it. I'm also like, it's really freaking cold and it's a lot of work. And do I actually like, am I even like the best one to do this? So I don't know. I just like learning things and it's a mental like break for me to get 
to use my hands and do different stuff. So I do enjoy like doing projects around the house, but I have been deeply immersed in French drain land and uh, it's kind of fun. There's some good YouTubers out there that have some really good content around how to do, you know, drainage stuff. So that's been kind of cool, much appreciative of um, social media in that respect. Um, and basically there's just mud everywhere um, in my life. Um, lots of just personal family stuff. I, again, didn't mention a lot of details, but that continues. So there's a lot of that, um, helping out other family members and stuff like that. So just, it's like, I'm just lots and lots and lots of my time is spent working very physically hard. So I'm, I'm a little tired, you know, but that, you know, if my, if it, you know, future commenters, if it looks like I'm tired, are you sure it's not the fiber? <laughs> pretty sure it's not the fiber um mm. but maybe i don't know um mm. no but uh no it's just because i'm working like insane right now um that said though i have actually been trying to eat a little better i mentioned this a couple of weeks ago i'm a little heavy, yeah. heavier than i want to be and i've lost and kept off you know a little over 10 pounds so far so you know this is how it goes for me i can fluctuate 30 to 50 pounds in a, in a year or two. And then I can very quickly drop 10 pounds and then it's just a slog kind of from there on out. So I've quickly dropped, you know, I'm trying not to go nuts and be like, yeah, I want to just lose weight so fast and then I'll be great because then I'm going to ping pong back and gain it all back and get discouraged and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, no, you know what? I'm going to have some sweets. I'm going to have some things. I'm gonna, not going to go completely cold turkey on all this stuff, but I'm going to be very conscious about what I'm eating and I'm just gonna have a long-term perspective on the weight loss stuff. So I've never really tried the long-term perspective and just, you know, better balanced aspect of it. So I'm like, you know, okay, I'm gonna put a little less sugar in my coffee. You know, I'll like cut it back in half. I tried the black coffee and I was like, this sucks. So I put some back. Don't punish yourself. Yeah, I'm not gonna have like a heaping spoonful or whatever, but I'm gonna have like a flat spoonful or whatever so i'm just going to do a little bit less and you know just being conscious of that when i'm eating you know unhealthy food i'm just going to eat it a little slower a little more intentionally that kind of thing and just try to have a little bit less so doing that and it seems to be working so far i have not lost my will to live or eat and i have seen some results so far so it's kind of encouraging you know, that's fantastic good that for you up. yeah and i'm very stressed and i'm a stress eater so if i can do that over the holidays with all the COVID stuff that's been kicking up and snowstorms and all the crazy stuff going on in my life. And I can still like maintain some positivity around. <laughs> there you go. No, that's <laughs> a, fantastic. A better eating structure. I'm like, okay, maybe I'm finding a, maybe I'm finding a balance here. So anyway, you'll see, if you look over my videos over the years, you will see, you know, very di- different degrees of volume of Brian uh, <laughs> in the frame uh, because my weight fluctuates a lot and how it's been in my whole life. But anyway, I'm just trying trying some different things, but I'm not doing like any particular like fad diet or anything. I'm really just trying to eat less sugar, slightly less carbs, because that's what I want to eat all the time. But here we go. All right. That's pretty much it on the personal front. And, uh, you know, we will just give a couple quick company updates, company updates. Company. Company. Um, So we mentioned this in our personal message newsletter that we sent out this week. The COVID stuff is very real. We talked about this last week in the Pencast as well, but it's just spiked like crazy. And I think it's Drew's fault. I think he was a trendsetter and we can pretty much, no, I'm very much kidding. Um, no, it's really Typhoid just like, Mary. our team has worked really hard. We've tried to do everything to like 
not spread it around in the building. And we've done a great job of that, but literally it's just like everywhere around us and people are getting it just from being in the world. So we have, you know, lots of people that are either getting it, getting exposed to it, have other symptoms and getting tested, but there's no testing. So it's, they're out for days and still feeling sick and miserable, but aren't sure if it's that, you know, so there's all the uncertainty that everybody's feeling around it. Largely everybody's doing okay. Morale is not completely in the toilet, but it's definitely like, we're all kind of battle weary and we feel really bad because we want to get stuff done and ship orders out for y'all. But it's just, it's reached a point where it's like, okay, no, like this is just really, this is just really too much. So we're going to keep doing the best that we can, but it's, it's pretty real and it's, and we're being pretty disrupted. Um, you know, and it's, we're not trying to make it an excuse, but it's like our team really is trying hard and we're all just like, we're riding the struggle bus right now. So it's affecting things. Our shipping terms, shipping times are going to be a little bit longer. Our, you know, product launches may be disrupted a little bit. We haven't had a lot of new products yet, so I don't know if that's going to be a thing. Um, returns, you know, we have a lot of returns that come from the holidays just because we have a lot of new people and new customers and stuff. And, you know, people buy things as gifts and all that. So returns is usually higher in the January, February time frame anyway. It's harder to do those. So some of that might drag on a little bit, but you know, it's fine. We have great customers and, uh, you know, great team, but it's just, it's just, uh, it's harder. It's harder right now. So, um, we're going to be doing that. Uh, we are going to be closed Monday next week, um, Martin Luther King day. So we are going to be off that day. So that'll disrupt things a little bit more. We've had a lot of holidays too, and just people spending time with their families and trying to take care of mental health and that type of stuff. So, you know, it's a marathon and we're in like mile 8,700 of it so far ultra marathon with no end in sight but uh here we are we're we're doing okay but it's it's definitely just we're we have, we're having unignorable disruptions is, is how i would express it and that's pretty much what we got so far um drew you have some new inks that you wanted to talk about so i see i did last week i said that i was going to clean out all of my pens brian every single one yeah all three did you do yes, it? yeah all three. wow and guess what? It wasn't a big deal because it's only three. Well, lottie okay. freaking dog. Lottie freaking dog. Okay. So I um, <laughs> picked three new pens and three new inks. Get, didn't get a chance to ink them up yet. But I told myself I'm going to pick some wintry themed inks because tis the season still. Mm. Um, it may not actually be Noel anymore, but mm. I'm going to use Diamine Noel, which is a beautiful sheeny ink from the 2019 Diamine Ink Event Calendar. And I had a pen picked out for it that was a red pen, but then I started talking about my pen of the year. And even though this one was kind of recently inked up, I was using this one like a couple months ago, I'm going to do this one. Because also it's red and sparkly, and this is red and sheeny, so They're just this is going to happen. Made to happen together, yeah. This is going to happen. Um, and also, uh, Diamine season gre- Season's Greetings. Season season Greetings is going to be paired with uh, this pen I got from Atelier Lusso. We don't sell these, but um, it's a blue sparkly pen. We did use this same resin, mm-hmm. though. Um, it's a Tim McKenzie resin. We used this one for a... Uh, Franklin Kristoff pen a couple years ago, the Orion, right? Yes, I believe that is like the case. onion with an R. Yes, yeah, <laughs> that's what Rachel said. We were, we were talking about how to spell <laughs> Orion, and I'm like O R. She's like O R I, and she's like Oh, like onion with an R. I'm like, yeah, yeah. That could also be onion <laughs> if you switch the like second that, that, N because there's two. That was N's. the connection she made. Like oh, like onion with an R. Like oh, I'm like yeah. If you wanted to make it really weird and complicated, sure, all right. But anyway, blue sparkly blue sheeny gonna do those and then finally 
um, Diamine Winter Miracle. I wanted to use this mm. one because we recently had that gorgeous sticker that um, we had uh, made by Inky Converters on Instagram, mm-hmm. and I love the color of this when I have seen it, but I've never actually used it. Hmm. And this is, prob- this is probably the most popular color from that 2019 Inkvent ca- calendar. It's right up there, if not number one, probably number two. And I was like, I don't have a purple pen, so what am I going to do? I'm going to use my Twisby Vac 700 Iris. Woo gonna put that there on because it go. it's not, it's got that like it's not purple but it, it you know there's some purple purpleness happening yeah and also it's got a little bit of goldish greeny there mm. like the ink i think this is a perfect pair and like i said a couple episodes ago i don't need to pair all of my inks and all my pens but i do like doing it because it gives me rails so i'm not like just overcome with all of the options i do appreciate you know, having a limited amount of choice, it just makes it easier for me because otherwise I will just be paralyzed with mm. indecisiveness. So I'm excited to do that. Good stuff. And I need to, and I need to do it like now because I don't have any pens inked up and I'm, I feel vulnerable. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't, it's, it's not comfortable at all. When I have no pens inked up, I'm like, mm. what, 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 <sighs> I'm not familiar with this feeling because I always I still, have, have I still, I still do have this one preppy though. That, this preppy go. that we used like months ago. It's still going strong. So. Still, you'll be fine. <laughs> you'll be fine with that. It's never going to die. Um, yeah, that's it for me. Yeah, just as I was playing with the Kyrados, the teal one, I was like, oh, I never cleaned this out from when I shot the video ah! last April or whatever it was. Like, oh, oh. that's going to be fun. Brian, <laughs> you know it's oh, it's been a rough me. it's been a rough couple of years here, Drew. My, you would have been okay, my yeah, pen mate. This is not my pen. Yeah, this is not I new was, behavior. I was much more on top of it until all this stuff happened, and that has just been one of the things that I've not even attempted to really stay on top of it. It's 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 pretty bad. I'm not gonna lie, but uh, you know, hey, that's what it is. Uh, so for me personally, I've not been like trying to ink up a lot of new pens because I'm not yeah. not cleaning anything out. But if you want oh, some, if you want some extras to clean, Drew. Let me know and I can hook you. No, I can thank hook you. you. Up. This is why I do this <laughs> system is so I don't have to clean because I hate it. Yeah, but like you know, I I've, I gotta dig myself out from the hole first. You know what I mean? Like I got a ways to go to get to where having a three pen system could even be viable. I still agree with the concept i think it's a great concept <laughs> but i am not able to follow through on it personally um anyway uh what i have been doing i've been picking up my twisby 580 alr navy which we talked about a little while ago and it still has ink in it and uh yeah still still going okay it was a little dry so i did my own tip that i recommended of doing the whole saturate it with water and the whole thing and i did that and it gave another breath of life so I'm still chugging along with it because i haven't used the i mean geez how long does it take you to like use an entire Twisby 580 filling? It's like it's a lot of ink. Yeah. So no, that was actually one. Of, I actually emptied my um uh my uh, Prussian blue today to make way yeah. for these. So you know, I, I was I was about three quarters of the way through, but I still had to. Yeah. Check if you're some. if you if you know you're going to be changing colors a lot, you don't do a full filling on a Twisby. You just no. fill. I used it just, for a while. Yeah, yeah, but you just fill a little bit, and you by the time you use it up, you'll be ready to change the color. Um, anyway. So that's what I've just been picking up and kind of using. I've got a zillion other pens that I need to clean out, but I don't even know when that's going to happen. It's just not something I'm judging myself about right now. Hashtag. Don't worry, I will. I'll clean it when I die. Um, I guess I won't. I won't really care. I'll be dead. Whatever. My kids will deal with it. Um, I'll clean it when I die. <laughs> you know, like you sleep when you're dead. I'll clean my pens when I'm dead. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> we shouldn't make a sticker out of that one. That's weird. I'm just picturing um, like a zombie, half decayed Brian. Like, Ugh. hey, okay, I'm trying to clean your. <laughs> okay, zombie pen. There we go. 
There might be something uh, there. Might be some sticker fodder. He's got um, unfinished business. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, the unclean. The medium's like, I'm sorry, he cannot leave this plane because he has unfinished business. <laughs> what is? What does he have to do? Oh, he has to clean it all he of has his to pens. Clean all of his pens. <laughs> like we have to move. He'll never leave. <laughs> <laughs> there are too many pens to be cleaned. <laughs> Just burn the house down. There's oh no stopping it. Gosh, what in the world? Uh, right. What are we doing? I don't know. What we're it's doing. been two hours. I think we might have broken last week. Um, <laughs> we did. Well, thank you, everybody. We're going to wrap this thing up. Thank you for watching. Please leave us feedback about how we're doing and all the other nonsensical feedback that you have about no your feedback is legitimate about the nonsensical things that we're saying that's what i'm going to say um ask us questions so that we can answer them on future shows be sure to check out gulepens.com for all your fountain pen ink and paper needs and we have stickers and stickers we do have sticker stickers from spring not teespring spring um yeah so like, com- like, subscribe, comment on YouTube, etc. You can email us at pencast at gulepens.com if you want to email us. And I have a random fun fact, since we're talking about snow and ice. It's been said that nearly 3% of the ice in Antarctic glaciers is penguin urine. 3% penguin urine. Think about that. I want to know, is that more it or less than the... It doesn't thaw. The- it just stays there. It- is that more or less than the urine content in your average water park? Oh, oh, I don't want to think about that. <laughs> I don't want to think about that at all. It's like 75%. That's a good question, though. I don't know. I don't know if there's any studies. The reason I said it's been said is because I didn't verify this fact in any way whatsoever. So it could that's completely fine. be wrong. So you could say Thanks. it's been said that that's similar to water parks doesn't mean it's right studies studies have shown yeah no see we don't have any studies that actually showed that we just know that it's been said because we said it so it's been said Mm. that's a truthful statement it's been said (laughs) oh my gosh here we go it's been said that this show is over and y'all should go do something more productive with your lives maybe go clean some pens maybe that's what i should do i'm not gonna do that but maybe maybe you should maybe you should maybe i should but i won't Anyway, have a great week, everybody. We will catch you on the next one. Right on. Thank you. (laughs) 